Jock Studios. This is WRNWFM, Milwaukee, 97.3 The Game, an iHeartRadio station. This is the Mike Heller Show. The script is flipped. We're off to a, uh, a rousing start. The Mike Heller Show is presented by Palermo's. When you want pizza, you want Palermo's. Palermo's with delicious brands of frozen pizza, including Primo Thin, Neighborhood Pizzeria, Connie's, Urban Pie, and Screamin' Sicilian. Palermo's, Wisconsin's hometown pizza. You gonna give me plenty of pizza? Now here's Mike Heller. The content that you provide is phenomenal. No, no, Mike Heller today. Doug Russell, Chuck Freeman in for the next three hours. All across this great state of Wisconsin. I look out the window here at the Megaplex in Milwaukee, and it's not not a great day. That's going to turn around. That'll be nice. Looking forward to that. Yeah, for one day. It's uh, spring is my least favorite. Least favorite a season, Russ, because I, it's just because you get this and you probably get seventy. You're gonna get seventy-seven, but if I'm gonna complain about seventy-seven, it's gonna be like forty mile an hour winds. Yeah, it will be. By the way, you are one of two people to call me Russ in my entire life. Really? Yeah, nobody else calls me Russ. You and Tim Russert are the two Russes in the world. Well, God rest his soul. Yes. Uh, I'm not planning on checking. Well, then neither was Tim either. Uh, heart attack took the great Tim Russert out. No, it's you and. Um, my dental hygienist. And her really? Name, yeah, her name is Sue at uh, you know Dr. Michael's place out in Oconomowoc. So a female so. came up with a nickname for a male. That's rare. Well, she said, she kept calling me Russ, and she's like, I bet you a lot of people call you Russ. And I'm like, no, actually nobody does. But it, that, then it just reminded me that you did. Yeah, really? I'm the only one. You're that's, the only one. That's hard, because Russell, Russ is yeah. a natural nickname. Right, no. It's just okay. you. All it's right. okay. I don't mind it. I, right. I've certainly been called worse. Okay. I mean, usually and regularly. All right. Well, I don't. I mean, I don't, I don't even say it without even thinking. I, I mean, it's Russ Freems. It's, you know, it's Freems. It's you know, fine. It's good. good. No. I mean, we go back almost thirty years, so we it's, do. It's fine. We do. And you know, like we're saying about the weather this weekend. Um, you know, seventy-seven tomorrow, but it's going to be like very windy. So you know, it's like okay, it's going to be great weather and all that. But I mean, when it's that windy, because I like to golf and I'm going to golf tomorrow. That sucks. That's going to be forty miles. So hour if wins. it's going to suck, why do you golf? Well, I just got to get out. I got to, I got to get my bad habits out of the way because I've golfed twice so far, Russ, and I have just been absolutely terrible. Okay, I mean, I absolutely sucked. Absolutely. What does suck for you though? Because everything is relative. People talk about, oh, my golf game is so terrible. I, I shot in the high seventies, and I'm like, shut up. Well, I wish I. I mean, at this point, high seventies might be good for nine for me. I haven't broken. I, I've golfed twice because I haven't golfed all winter. I haven't broken fifty on a nine. Okay, that's for me. That's absolutely awful. Okay, because you golf a lot. I do golf, but this is the way it is. I mean, every year, April. I don't even look at the scorecard. I don't even get pissed off when I do make when I shank the ball because I do it all the time now. And, and because I just know that you know I got to get it all out of my system now. Golf as much as possible. Okay. And but I but I always say this. Golf doesn't count until after Memorial Day. Anything before right. Memorial Day, screw it. Golf League should not even be starting this early because of this crap we got outside here today. <laughs> no, I mean, we like a Camelot and Lamar. We start, you know, second weekend or second Tuesday of April, and it's, you know, 38 degrees outside, and it's like nobody wants to be out there. And But then we get done right before Labor Day. I say, you know, keep the thing going. You know, let's go all the way through until October, we have some nice weather. Yeah, it starts so early. The, the seasons are shifting. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, 
you know, there's this great debate that's going on about global warming and all this other stuff or climate change. Mm -hmm. This isn't a political show. We're not going to get political. But I will say that I think there's undeniable evidence and maybe it's anecdotal. Maybe it's not. But I think it's I think it's undeniable that it. Uh, everything is just shifting. So spring doesn't really start until maybe May 1st, but then summer hangs on until the end of September. Oh, yeah. I, when I was a kid, I don't mean to turn this into when I was a kid. But when, when I, I was, was a, a boy. But when I was a kid, you know, everybody in the neighborhood opened up their swimming pool on Memorial Day weekend. Wait, wait, had- wait, 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 wait. Who's everybody in the neighborhood? Where, where did you grow up? Greendale, right yeah. over here. Where everybody has pools in their backyard? The garden community, my friend. Man, look at you. The garden community. Chuck Bougie Freeman. Yes, the garden community. Ah, where you lived in Waukesha, people had pools in their backyard. The Tagies had a pool. That was it. That be, and, okay. and the only reason that I know that is because they lived kitty corner to our house, and they were the only ones, okay. the only ones in the neighborhood that had a pool. Now, was it above ground? Or? No, it was in. It was it okay. was the fancy kind. All right. Well, an old man must have been a lawyer or something. I don't know. Doctor. Because it was something you else. Know? It was, but we, we skimming I was, off the we, top, whatever. We were invited into their pool once. Oh. In all the years I grew up there, just once. The Tiggs. Tiggies? Tiggies. Tiggies were not a, were not a fan of the Russells. Well, I don't know. Or about they just that. want to keep their own. I don't know. They used it occasionally. They, it was a really underutilized pool. I don't recall mm-hmm. them using it a lot, but they were the only ones in the neighborhood who had a pool, and we were invited to it. And I think it's because our neighbors that were across the mm-hmm. street knew the Tiggies better than we did, and it was like through a third, like a third party type of thing. But it was it was a big day. So it was only once. But I think you know, back in the '80s when people had pools, today I think people are filling those in. And maybe go in a hot tubs or volleyball in the backyard or whatever. Yeah, my neighbor has a hot tub. Hot yeah. tub's nice. Yeah, that's, that's those a, are real nice. That's I enjoy those. Yeah, that's that that's on the agenda for us I'd next. Ra- definitely. Well, you got a, a hot tub. I'd love to have either one. Well, mm-hmm. let's just say I, I have neither, and I would like I would love either. Well, here's the problem. I don't want my neighbors, my new neighbors, coming over and using my hot tub. Well, All right? obviously. Well, I know. But, uh, do you like your neighbors? Well, yeah, I do. Would you invite them over? I don't know all of them yet. But okay. no, but here, um, I don't want... I just don't want some kind of swinger situation, but whatever you do... <laughs> not in Lamira. Whatever you do <laughs> but in, who knows? in the privacy of your backyard... <laughs> but who knows? There is one hotel business. in Lamira. But um, no, but I, I just don't want everybody like coming over to our house. I, I'm not one of those guys who wants to open up the garage so like 15 people Well, yeah, come you over don't like night. people. I remember... No, 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 remember, I do. Russ, no, right, that's no, wrong. Because you, you don't want Shan's but, family coming over. I remember that conversation. Oh, no, 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 I do. I just don't want the dogs, them to bring the dogs. Oh, that's what it was. Yes. That's right. No, that's no, see, don't say that. No, you're right. You're I, right, I do right, love, right. I love them. In fact, we're going out for fish fry tonight, but I just don't want all the dogs that come along with it. Or in the hot tub, the dogs, for that matter. Yeah, and well, our neighborhood here, we're going to get this hot tub just don't want all of these people coming build over. A fence. What's that? Build a, build <laughs> you, know, we're fence. you know, the days of building like a, a chain link fence, fence around your neighborhood, those are gone too. Which yeah. I, I, which I, you know, I'm glad they are. No, I don't want a fence around my house. I, you know, I want to be friendly with the I neighbors. I want a moat around my house. Oh, who? I want a moat. What's that? A, you don't know what a moat is? <laughs> no. It's, it's a body no. of water that surrounds the house to keep out marauders. Oh, I thought that was an ethmus. No, that's an isthmus <laughs> is what the capital sits on yeah. because there's a body of water on either side. No, a moat, it, you know, like castles have moats. You have to bring the drawbridge down so people can cross over from the mainland across the moat into okay. the castle. Is that like an island green? No, I, actually, yeah, it kind of is. It kind of is like an okay, island green. Okay, it's an island green. Okay. Yes. All right. All right. No. So, so I want, a, want an island green. So you want an island green? Yeah. 
That's keep what you, I want. To keep you blown. Yes. Now, are you friendly with your neighbors? Yes. So I want to be friendly with my neighbors, and we can. We just moved to this new neighborhood, and I like some of the people. I like the people there. I don't know them all, but. I got no. Jason and Jacqueline to one side. Mm-hmm. I've got Vinny and Ashley on the other side, and I got the Millers across the street. Well, you know, every neighborhood's got their, you know, okay. You got the, you got the neighborhood drunk. Okay, <laughs> I, and if you don't know if the neighborhood drunk is you, it probably yes, is. You got the neighborhood whole bag. They, oh, they do every day. Every day. Oh, everybody in my neighborhood's married with kids. Well, you got the divorcee. Well, no, who, that's not true. Uh, you know, Vinny and Ashley don't have kids. You got the, dog, you got the divorcee without a car is leaving at seven a.m. the next morning. Yeah, we got a couple of those. Okay, so yeah, yeah all right. Yeah, 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 everyone's got, got, got one of those. Yeah. So I live on a court, though. It's you know, it's so quiet. Oh, even better, Russ. Oh, I love it. Yeah, uh, I'm. You're gonna have to bring me out of my house in a body bag. I know. It's like we we built this new house. We're at the end of the street too. It's not a court. It's just like a dead end street. Yeah. But it's like I don't want to leave. I'm like for the first time in my life. Oh yeah, that's great. I'm like a homebody. I don't. I never want to leave. We we intentionally got a house in the quietest neighborhood we could. It's mm-hmm. on a court. It's got enough room. I have full. St- I'm, I mean, obviously, I'm in studio like 99 percent of the time. But mm-hmm. I have a full studio. Sure. Uh, in the house. Uh, for doing like recorded pieces and and whatnot, and I have done live radio shows from there over the years too. So, um, you're right when you, when you find your castle, mm-hmm. you know, you just man, Isn't you become it? a homebody. It is, and I see. I'm up at three a.m., so I only get to sleep sleep in on weekends, and it's like I feel like you know, like this weekend, you know, because she asked me, "Oh, do you want to go Green Bay?" You know, her, her daughter's up there. I'm like, no, I don't want to go to Green Bay. I, I, I mean, not nothing against Green Bay, but I want to, you know, I want to just be home. I want to be home in Lamira this weekend and enjoy my house, enjoy my office, which I have, and I'm building a studio too, Russ. And um, you know, enjoy the 77 degree temperatures with the 50 mile an hour winds tomorrow. That's the one thing that I was ahead of the curve on in radio. Having a home studio mm-hmm. is, I mean, I think we've all found this out in the last two years because of the pandemic, and so many people were working from home, turning dining rooms into offices and yeah. turning basements into studios and, and things like that. And well, the one thing that that I always had since we got the house was that studio. And it's like my secret is I'm, I feel like I'm busted because now everybody's figuring it out. Yeah. I, nobody's I, leaving their house. Heller's in his house 90% of the time. Yeah. I, I still come to the studio because I like, I, I mean, I do enjoy coming into the studio and doing work here, but I do some national stuff too. And, uh, and like for Associated Press radio, and so I do it out of my house, yeah. and uh, mm-hmm. which is which is great. Um, but yeah, I still like getting out and about and coming into the building here, and you know, running into people in the morning and all that. Sure. And, yeah. But um, yeah, so I I turned into uh, Freeman the homebody, and I'm 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 love. I never thought that would be me, but it's like I don't even want to go anywhere. I want to golf this you weekend. Golf, cook out, grill out. You know, look at my. Uh, my uh, my dirt lawn because we didn't put a lawn in yet, which is going to take. F- well, it's a new house though. Yeah, but it's really you know the problem is putting all this in is so expensive. Like we want to put a deck in, and it almost costs as much as the house, figuratively. And you know we want to you know put in a hot tub and all, but everything is so expensive today. And it's like we yeah, you built the house at the wrong time. We sure did. Well, I mean, what we you, did. What, what can you do though? You needed a castle. Needed a castle. Freems was ready for a castle. I was living this this place too long. Shannon was getting tired of living in this uh, this condo, so you know she wanted to expand. And and now you get to mow a lawn. And now I mean, you have a lawn. But you know what? The longer we go without putting a lawn in, the longer I'll have to cut grass. You can so. go Brady Bunch and astroturf it. Huh? Oh, huh? There you go. huh? 
I thought, thought of putting that or some green back there and, you know, just practicing my putt back sure. there. Sure. I mean, so, yeah, better for the environment, they say. That's, it yeah. uses less water. Yeah. I've got friends in California who have Brady Bunch lawns. Okay. Uh, like in Arizona. Yeah. You yeah. see that in Arizona once in a while to go scout You do. Yeah. Uh, we got a good show for you as we discuss our lawns, uh, among other things. Eric Dame is going to join us from The Athletic on the Bucks Beats in about eight minutes or so. He's either in Chicago or making his way to Chicago. Also, Kevin Holden, uh, CBS 58 in Milwaukee, their longtime sports director. He's going to join us this hour. We're also going to go behind enemy lines coming up in hour number three. Mark mm-hmm. Carmen from WGN Radio yeah. uh, and also fan-sided. He covered the first two games of mm-hmm. the Bucks bulls series from the Chicago side. Loved so his work with the raspberries. What What are they uh, doing? Make me lose control. I think it's, a, what a it's Eric. Oh, Eric it's Carmen. Eric okay. Carmen. This is, uh, this is his son, Mark. Okay, okay. Mark Harmon. Okay. Yes. Or, or, you know, from... In, uh, from what was Mark Harmon in? Was that in CIS? Was that the show? Wasn't a TV show called Summer School? Well, that was a movie. Yeah. With a very TV, young Courtney Thorne-Smith. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. No. Um, yeah, we got the Game 3... To look forward to tonight. And Russ, normally, okay, I was thinking the Bucks were going to be up 2-0 going into tonight. And uh, it was so wrong. We all did. So, like, this, the first round of the playoffs, God, I'm just not into it. Okay, I'm just not into it. Because, better be into it now. Well, that's my point. That's my point. Now, okay, you've taken something away from me. One of my best players. And... Yeah, one of your best players, DeRozan, is is on fire. Well, DeRozan was the best player on the court in Game Two. He was DeRozan with forty-one points. He couldn't. He couldn't be stopped. And look, even Mike Budenholzer said it after the game. We were contesting his shots. They were just going in. And he's not a three-point shooter. He's one of those rare guys who can spot up from 15 and can hit with consistency. And that's a deadly weapon in the NBA nowadays. Certainly is. Uh, And so. All of a sudden, the Bulls have got our attention. The Bulls have got our attention because, let's face it, most of us tonight, you know, we're not in every possession, Bucks and Bulls, and the Bucks are up 2-0, thinking the Bucks are probably going to win this game. But we've gone from that to season on the line possibly tonight. Mm, it season, is, it is, season on the line game tonight. It is a pivotal game three. Eric Name from The Athletic. He covers the Bucks on a daily basis. He's going to join us straight ahead. I'm Doug Russell. He's Chuck Freeman. We're in for Mike Heller on this Friday afternoon. Stay with us. No, Mike Heller. He's off today. He'll be back on Monday. Doug Russell, Chuck Freeman in for the uh, next two and a half hours plus. Wherever you may be listening around this great state of Wisconsin of ours or worldwide on the iHeartRadio app. The Bucks taking on the Chicago Bulls tonight. Game three of the first round of the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. And uh, the Bucks have not, well, let's just say they haven't played their best basketball yet. Joining us on the program right now, he is in the Windy City. He was at shoot-around earlier today from The Athletic, their outstanding beat reporter. Eric Name, kind enough to spend a few minutes with us here on the game. Eric, appreciate the time. Um, I, I, I guess, how surprised are you that the Bucks haven't played what we would call good basketball yet in this series? I'm pretty surprised, honestly. You know, all year long, um, they listen to me pepper them with questions about how their defense stinks and how they're not giving a strong effort every night. And and yet, they, you know, they would win in 
the fourth quarter because of a close game because they brought the defense and they brought the intensity and they brought the effort. Um, and, and honestly, I guess I think that I'm pretty annoying. Um, I thought maybe it, <laughs> I had annoyed them to such an extent that they would have been like, okay, let's just shut this dude up and actually play hard and play well once we get to the playoffs. Um, so I guess that that's a shot to my ego that I'm not as annoying as I think. <laughs> um, but I really did think, you know, once the playoffs would come around that they were going to kind of flip the switch and, you know, take care of the basketball, play hard defense and really kind of take it to the bulls. And that just hasn't been the case. You know, we've seen drew holiday play uncharacteristically sloppy basketball. We've seen him miss, I mean, bunnies, layups, easy shots at the rim, Chris Middleton opened up that first game and had seven turnovers. He was a lot better in the second half of game two before getting hurt. And, and obviously now he's going to be out for a little while, but overall I am surprised. I thought, you know, this is a professional team that was just trying to get through the regular season. They knew how long they worked last season. Uh, you know, they know, they knew how long that season was. Those guys went to the Olympics. They were going to take it easy during the regular season, then turn it on during the postseason, uh, And they just, haven't done it in those first two games and now they find themselves in a 1-1 in a split with one of their main guys down and, and this is going to be a dogfight of a series the rest of the way. Namesy, uh apologize for texting you multiple times but appreciate it. Um, getting back. <laughs> hey, you're all good. <laughs> Eric, hit me back! Oh, names. No, I, I, was being a, I don't want to be, I don't want to be that guy. But um, no, names. Uh, Chris Middleton, which, just being around it here last 48 hours, What's your feel on on how the severity of that? I mean, we hear you know two weeks. Check back with us in two weeks, but what uh, what's the feel on that? Yeah, to me, everything I've heard, um, you know, you're not hearing anything about structural damage. Uh, you know, when you're talking about an MCL grades one, two, and three, um, you know, you get to that third that third tier, and you're talking about a tear, right? Uh, and, and that's going to be looking at a couple months and, and there is not a tear. So, you know, you're looking at a little bit lower on the scale, probably a grade one uh, sprain of the MCL, even though they haven't made that official. That's what it sounds like when you hear people kind of describe it. Uh, so to me, I think you're looking at a spot where he's not going to play again in this series, but I do think they said they're going to reevaluate in two weeks, talking a little bit to Chris today at shoot around. Uh, you know, he did an interview with NBA TV while the rest of the reporters listened. And then uh, my annoying self, I decided to get a couple questions in at the end. And, uh, you know, I pretty much just flat out asked, like, hey, you know, they say the timeline is two weeks. Do you think you actually have a chance in the next round? And Chris said, for sure. Hopefully, you know, when we get to the end of that two weeks, that'll be me getting ready to get back on the court. Uh, so I, I think the sense is, you know, you give a, a more uh, vague timeline. Uh, in the hopes that rehab goes really well, talking to Chris a little bit, uh, they had shoot around at the UC today, and once shoot around was done, Chris was going to get on the floor and he's going to start doing some work. So, uh, you know, we saw it last year with Giannis and you know how militant they were about his training and getting him back on the floor. And Chris is just as hard of a worker, so I think we're going to see him try to do the same thing. So, I really do think you know after those two weeks that he will get reevaluated and. You know, maybe there is a possibility that it's another week after that, but I just think with how hard he works and how good this training staff is, you know, there's a real chance that when they reevaluate in two weeks, he's back and he's ready to go. And, you know, if they do end up getting past the Bulls, that probably puts you at 
I mean, we don't see a schedule yet, but that probably puts you at game two or three of the next round. Uh, and maybe there's a chance that he gets right back on the floor. So I think everything around the team is that it's it's not a, a massive injury, but this time of year, uh, you know, missing two weeks could be the difference between winning and losing a series, especially with someone as important as Chris Middleton and, and with the way that the Bucks are playing right now against the Bulls team that's ready to go. All right, now when you say that he's going through a little bit of a workout today, I, I'm, that's encouraging. Now, the first thing that came to my mind, Eric, is that, wow, could this be a situation like last year where, you know, hooray, he's he's cured and we're, we, got, we got mids back sooner than those two weeks? Uh, I don't think it'll be that. Uh-huh. I do think, though, um, you know, one of the things that Giannis has kind of always told told me is that when you get injured, everyone thinks that, you know, you're going to lay up in a bed and, and do bed rest. But uh, he always says the best way to attack an injury is to attack it, is to actually go at it and, you know, keep making sure everything else is strong. And if you can't work on that injury specifically, work on everything else around it so that when you can start putting in work on that, on that injury, you can really attack it and go to work on it. So, um, yeah, I mean, I wasn't surprised, but I, I don't think it's going to be a miracle situation where he's back before those two weeks. I do think it will take that full two weeks, but I do think once you get through those two weeks, uh, I think there's a chance that it's ready to go and, and he'll be ready once those two weeks are full. DeRozan with 41 points the other night. What's the key on Ding him up? This Bucks team all along, uh, you know, you've watched DeMar DeRozan play. I think the big thing is you can't let him get into a rhythm. And so often with this Bucks team, they are focused on being solid defensively. So they're not going to go out and try to force a ton of turnovers. They're not going to trap the ball out of, like, the key playmakers' hands. They're going to, you know, try to be as solid as possible, contest shots, and, and make them hard. And I think DeMar DeRozan just got too much, too easy, too early in that game. Once you got to the third quarter, the Bucks decided that they were going to go small. They were going to have Giannis at center. They were going to switch Giannis onto him. And at that point, DeRozan didn't care. He was in his rhythm. He was shooting over the top of Giannis. He was shooting through contact with Giannis. Like that, Giannis, as everyone knows, is one of the best defenders in the league. He's a guy that can handle a switch. He's super athletic, super long arms, can jump incredibly high, great timing, great instincts. And DeRozan was hitting shots over him like it didn't matter. And, and I don't think you, you can count on DeMar DeRozan doing that every single game. Obviously, you saw game one. You saw the regular season against the Bucks where they did contest those shots and make that tough. I just think the, the key is you can't let him get into a rhythm like he did in game two so early in the game. By the time you got to the third quarter and, you know, you're going to throw some new adjustments at him and make him see some different looks, he was already cooking, and, and it didn't matter at that point. So I think that's one of the big things – in the fourth quarter, we saw them trap the ball a little bit. We saw, uh, you know, the defense come out a lot higher up above the three-point line. Uh, I just think everything was too comfortable for DeMar DeRozan in game two, and I would suspect that, you know, you're going to see the Bucks throw some different looks at him early in the game and, and really try to go out and make it tough on him. This thing's, makes things more difficult for Giannis tonight, doesn't it, without Middleton there? And part two of that, who's going to step into Middleton's role because they're going to need somebody – to, to score some points from the outside tonight. Yeah, I think one of the things uh, that's always interesting with Chris is obviously uh, people watch him play and because his handle isn't the, the cleanest, his passes aren't the prettiest, 
Uh, I think there's always the, the idea that people don't really realize just how much he contributes. Uh, 20.1 points per game, 5.4 rebounds, 5.4 assists. Uh, there were 16 other players in the NBA that put up 20.5 rebounds and 5 assists per game this season. And yes, of course, the, you know that has a lot to do with your role and how much a team trusts you and blah, 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 blah. But the defending NBA champions trust Chris Middleton to do that. That means he's a very good basketball player, and that's where it gets really difficult because you're not just going to be able to find that type of shot creation, that type of shot making, uh, you know, that type of offensive play from one of your guys on the bench. Those guys, you know, whether it's Bobby Portis, Pat Connaughton, Grayson Allen, all those guys are pretty dependent on people creating shots for them rather than creating shots for themselves. So, uh, you know, talking to Mike Boonholzer a little bit, after shoot around today, uh, you know, the big thing for them is Drew Holiday has to step up and have the ball in his hands a little bit more. And it's been a really rough two games to start this series for, for Drew, but I do think everyone on the team thinks he's going to be a lot better and he's going to need to be because he's going to have the ball in his hands even more. And then I think when you're looking at those bench guys and the role players that have to step up, that means, you know, Pat Connaughton and Grayson Allen both have to hit threes. And, uh, you know, as far as creating more shots, Bobby Portis, uh, since he's been in Milwaukee, hasn't been asked to do that as much. But in the past, a lot of teams have used Bobby as a guy off the bench that can be, uh, you know, a microwave scorer that you can give the ball in the post and he can create a good look. And I think you're going to have to see a little bit more of that as this series goes on and as they wait for Chris Middleton to get back on the floor because they are going to have to find a, a way to find someone that can create shots. 45% of Chris Middleton's uh, made baskets this year were assisted. That means 55% he created himself. Over half of those he's creating himself. And, and that's just not something that those role players are expected to do a lot of, which means Giannis and Drew Holiday are going to have the ball in their hands a lot more. And there's, frankly, there's just going to be a lot more expected of them. Eric Name, Bucks beat reporter from The Athletic, joining us for just a couple more minutes here on the game. The Mike Heller Show. Mike is off today. Doug Russell and Chuck Freeman in. How much right now do you think John Horst regrets the Dante DiVincenzo-Serge Ibaka trade? Man, it's, it's been a tough question. I, I think from the very beginning, um, I was critical of the trade at the deadline because in my mind, uh, you know, this year what you were looking for is – someone to fill that P.J. Tucker role. Obviously, they decided that they didn't want to pay the money to keep P.J. Tucker around, so you needed someone that was going to be big and tough and on the wing. And that guy didn't really exist on the trade market this year. You look around the the trade deadline and the moves that were made, and no one really traded a, a big wing like that. So on top of it, okay, so that didn't work. So what could you get at the deadline? The Bucks decided that they needed Brooke Lopez insurance. And it's very clear now that that's all Serge Ibaka was. Uh, you know, when I, when he first came to Milwaukee, you know, the very first question I asked Bud at that shoot around in Phoenix was, hey, uh, Serge Ibaka, that would be a fourth big man once Brooke Lopez comes back. Are you going to change your rotations and now all of a sudden start playing four big men? And, you know, he's hemmed and hawed and didn't really give like a real answer. And now we're seeing that's not the case. They are still going to do a three big man rotation, which means Serge Ibaka is sitting on the outside, which means, okay, you traded Dante DiVincenzo for that insurance. You don't need that insurance now because, you know, Brooke Lopez looks great. And in the moment you 
I was asking those questions. I'm sure John Horst was asking himself those questions. How important is insurance? Ultimately, they decided that Brooke Lopez insurance was incredibly valuable and something that, that they needed to do. But, you know, uh, with insurance, the best thing is you don't have to use it, right? And the Bucks don't have to use it right now, but that means a roster spot, and not just a roster spot, but two roster spots, because as you mentioned, the guy that you traded for that insurance is not on the roster anymore. So now two roster spots are essentially getting used on something that you don't need anymore. Uh, and, and now the Bucks are in a, a really tough spot where you, if you look at their wing and their depth, uh, you know, it goes from point guards and shooting guards. I think Wesley Matthew, I guess Pat Conson would be the tallest one at six foot five. You go from point guards and shooting guards to big men. And that's it. In between there, there's just, there's nothing. There's no big wings. And if you get past this round, if you get past the Bulls, you get the Celtics or the Nets and their best players, guess what? Big wings. Kevin Durant, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. How do you cover those guys? Uh, it's going to be a, a really tough test for the Bucks going forward. And, yeah, I do think, you know, you look at the work that they did at the deadline uh, and you have, to, you have to ask some questions and wonder, you know, could they have handled it better? Was there something else out there that we didn't know about? Uh, and ultimately, just how important is Brooke Lopez insurance going to be for the Bucks? Well, I went from not really – Really worried about this series. To now, I'm at the edge of my seat tonight, and I'm almost thinking tonight's got to be a a must win. I do not want to go into Sunday night's game down two one or one two, whatever the case. The Bucks down in the series names. Yeah, I mean, I've always been of the belief that uh, you know it's not a must win in a series until you can literally get eliminated. Uh, and you know, I think the Bucks kind of proved that last year, going down two zero and in multiple series, dropping game ones in multiple series. Uh, so this is a team that, you know, has done some things with their back against the wall in the last uh, calendar year. But uh, I would agree. I, I don't think you want to try to go out and get that game four. Everyone knows that uh, Giannis is not quite as good in day games. He, he's always, uh, you know, not enjoyed his schedule getting disrupted, his normal game day routine getting disrupted. And that is a noon game on Sunday, a game that, uh, you know, you, like you said, you don't want to be in a spot where you have to go get. So, uh, yeah, I would, tonight is not a must win. I, I, I hate using those words unless you can actually be getting eliminated and you must win or you're eliminated. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's as close to a must win as you can really find. Eric, good to see you the other night at Pfizer Forum. Appreciate the time, and uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to talk to you again soon. Thanks, James. Absolutely. Can't wait to do it again. See you, fellas. All right, we'll see you. There goes Eric Name from The Athletic, outstanding Bucks beat reporter, joining us here on the Mike Heller Show without Mike Heller, Doug Russell, and Chuck Freeman in. Yeah, tonight, I mean, it kind of has that must-win feel. I mean, doesn't it feel like it? I mean, I'm on the edge all day today because I'm thinking, you know, it's not really game on until the, the conference semis. And especially the the, the you know the well, I think the Bucks probably had that feeling too. Oh well, yeah, I because mean, they got, have, I mean honestly the Bucks have played garbage basketball by and large for the first two games and, and they got away with it once. And Russ, even when they were down by fourteen at halftime on Wednesday night, did you think all right they're going to turn this baby around? I hope so. But then again, we also said the that you know they played so terribly in game one. Mm-hmm. There's no way they're going to play that <laughs> terribly in game two. And guess what? They couldn't cover the ten. In fact, they uh, they lost as ten point favorites on Wednesday, and uh, you know they haven't covered the last two. But that aside, I I don't put anything by Giannis. Can he put the team on his back 
and maybe put up a 50-burger tonight. You're going to have to. I don't know if he needs a 50-burger, but he's going to need to put this team on his back. All right, Doug Russell, Chuck Freeman, and for Mike Heller from CBS 58, longtime sports director Kevin Holden coming up straight ahead. He's joining us from Ark. He's joining us from Arkansas. Yeah. yeah all right. Yeah. All right. We'll see what I that's don't know what all city about. City in Arkansas, but it's Arkansas. Coming up next. Stay with us. Heard it from a friend who heard it from a friend who heard it from another. You've been messing around. They say you, you know, the only time I ever play Ario Speedwagon is when you're in the studio, friends. Russ, I always get that little tinkle in my eye. Twinkle. Tinkle? <laughs> I just did that during the break. smile when I hear uh, you throw at me some Ario. That's all for you because the boys here always you know, do. It ain't that. for me. That's for damn sure. Really? Oh, come on now. Mm. Hey, everybody's got their jam. REO's your jam. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, Kevin Holden joining us. Uh, by the way, it's Doug Russell. That's me. Chuck Freeman on the other side of the desk here. Uh, he is, uh, and we are both in for Mike Heller today. Mike will be back on Monday. I'm going to go see REO in Duluth, Minnesota, Labor Day weekend. Are you really? Yes, one of our affiliates up there. Maybe I'll stop by. You should. But uh, they're there Labor Day weekend at the Amsoul Arena, I want to say. Okay. Saw Brian Adams there in 2016 and going to make another road trip Labor Day weekend. Duluth, Minnesota. Your boy Freems is heading that way. That is, that's for, for us here in Milwaukee, that's a hell of a road trip. It is. That is. It is. Uh, not as far as Arkansas. That's where uh, CBS 58 in Milwaukee sports director Kevin Holden is joining us from. Um, that's a hell of a road trip, too. I've driven from Wisconsin to Arkansas. Uh, Kevin Holden has, I don't know if he flew where he drove. Why are you in Arkansas, Kevin? We, we've got, uh, there's a wedding down here. In-laws, in-laws are uh, getting married, so we've got a, we got a couple of days. That's the, that's the main reason for the trip. The other reason I just put up on my Twitter, which is a plate of brisket and fried okra. And um, I, look, I'm going to weigh 280 when I come back, just so you know. <laughs> just go see your cardiologist when you get back, because you just mentioning that makes me have to go to mine. Well, the okra, they can leave out the okra, but the brisket, I'm all bored of that. Yeah, what is it with, with Wisconsin and okra is not like th- those two things don't combine. Like I, I tell people in Wisconsin about okra and, and a lot of people just they don't even know what it is. Well, they need to change the name of it. First of all, okra. Okra doesn't even sound appetizing. It's uh, I mean, it I, it I I don't know if it sounds appetizing or not, but it's it it's, like oatmeal. it's certainly oh, I like oatmeal. Um, it's certainly a southern dish. It's a southern thing, as, mm-hmm. as okay. they say. And, and I feel like sometimes Kevin Holden and I have followed each other around the country from, you know, Mississippi to Houston, um, you know, family in Orlando. He worked in Orlando for a while. You've been to Arkansas? I've, I have been okay. to Arkansas. I've been to 47 states. All right. All right. Um, 47? So you got yeah. you, actually, you actually got relatives in Arkansas? Man. Yeah, me? Yeah. This is, this is where my wife is from. Uh, in fact, my wife went to the same high school uh, as Bobby Portis, a couple years apart, uh, but She's, you know, she's huge in the Bobby Porter's thing. Sidney Moncrief, you know, is from there, too. So oh, yeah. there are actually a lot of Bucks fans in this area. There's some Grizzlies fans, which I don't really understand, but hmm. their Eastern Conference team is the Bucks, at least. Sure. Well, I mean, Memphis isn't, you know, that far from Arkansas. All right, so let's get into the Bucks. Um, what have you seen from—we just had Eric name from The Athletic on in the last segment. What have you seen from this team over the first two games that— I, I'm I'm just scratching my head watching these guys play right now because this isn't the same team that we saw last year in the playoffs. And the and the weird thing about it is, you would suspect that a first round matchup against a rival 
to the south, you know, like someone close enough that, that fans of their team can drive to Milwaukee, the Bucks fans can go to Chicago. This is not a flight. Uh, that's the sort of first-round matchup that should really get the blood pumping, and it's felt like the opposite of that through through a couple of games. I, you know, I don't know what to read into, you know, advanced analytics and stuff like that. I, I saw the, you know, expected score from game two and the fact that the Bucks win 92% of the time if they hit their shots, and that's fine. The analytics are fine, but the problem is they didn't. They didn't do that. And so something caused this 92% chance not to happen. And I, I don't think it's that they're necessarily missing some sort of fire, but I can tell you that if that's the case, uh, it'll change in a hurry, especially if they go down two games to one in a series. If, if anybody was looking past Chicago to either Brooklyn or Boston, uh, I think that's going to stop in a hurry because the, the this is the Bulls NBA Finals. This is this is their shot to make a statement, and they're ready to do it. Yeah, and that's going to be a hornet's nest. Let's face it, United Center tonight, they are going to be ready for the Bucks to come in. One thing, Russ, I think that uh, you know you're, you're comparing last year's team and this year's team. I just think the you know you get the core bases there, but you got some different pieces on this year's team compared to last year. And I think the team is just – I just got a different feel from this team, always have throughout the regular season, than last year's team. I don't know how you feel about that, Oldie. Yeah, it's, so P.J. Tucker is the center of that discussion in my mind because mm. P.J. Tucker lived the most Wisconsin experience, I think, of any athlete I've ever seen. Like, he, he came in, introduced the phrase, we dogs, won a championship. I think he partied for three days after, after they won the title. Uh, it was up there chugging from the champagne bottle in the parade. PJ was was a heart and soul kind of guy. So I got a theory. Middleton is out for a while, and you need somebody to get excited enough to fill a spot, you know, to, to, to play spirit, right, to play a little bit above what they're capable of and, and fill a role. So here's how it breaks down. I, the, the best way I can describe it, I got a buddy that I play softball with who hates geese. Like, he'll send me Snapchats of geese and with words that we could not repeat on the radio. <laughs> geese? Like in the, 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 the mammal? The animal? Or animal? Yeah. The, yeah. the bird? He'll be, he'll be driving along, you know, or walking along near a lake and see a goose and just, and just unleash. Oh. Just like, you know, Jeez. Boston fans yelling at a Yankee unleash. So, if it, when we play that, he always brings his A game. But if he didn't, I would get a giant picture of a goose and I'd stick it behind home plate. Right, I would motivate. In Bobby Portis's case, I want to take that picture of him with the bleeding eye, with the bleeding face, and get a giant fathead version of it and stick it right behind the bench. Because if there's anybody who can put on the crazy eyes and play at a different level, that's the guy. Not to say that Portis can be Chris Middleton, but if Portis can be really, really good for the next couple of games, the Bucks can survive long enough to get him back. You know what I mean? Bouncing around with uh, Kevin Holden, CBS 58, sports director, CBS 58 in Milwaukee, uh, here on the game and around the entire state of Wisconsin. Um, I want to switch gears and talk some draft just for a second because the NFL draft is coming up next week. The Packers with four of the first 59 picks in the NFL draft. I mean, they've got to trade up to get one of those elite wide receivers, don't they? Man, you would think that if there's ever been a year where the analysis is you got to walk away 
from this day with with not just one but a couple of of options at receiver that can help you today you know help you right now that's got to be the thought process the the weird thing about it is the packers are notorious for us walking in thinking that they should take this or that or the other and they end up you know taking a, a defensive lineman and we get to say the words hands in the dirt and all that stuff uh it's but I think this year they have to do it. And if, if it's a case of trading for a receiver on draft day, that's not a, a, a guy that you draft. In other words, you know, using one of those picks and getting a good receiver that's established already in the league from another team, maybe that's how they do it. But they absolutely have to walk away from probably night one of the draft with a new and exciting and elite kind of option on the roster at receiver because – I, we were talking about Randall Cobb the other day. I ran some sound from Randall Cobb. He was talking to media one of the first day of workouts, and I'm thinking, <laughs> they, that is that your number one? Like he's not, but no, it's Sammy knows. Watkins now. I mean, and and then yeah, Sammy and Sammy Watkins, who's played how many full seasons? Right, like that's that's a scary concept. Alan Lazard, good receiver, but I mean. Watkins and Lazard and Cobb are, are, are pieces, you know? They're okra. They need a brisket. <laughs> well, I'm telling you, I'm in desperation mode at wide receiver right now. Those two picks that we got from the Raiders, that the Packers got from the Raiders, I'd ship them in a heartbeat to San Francisco for Debo Samuel. In a heartbeat. Maybe throw in another pick. But that, I mean, that assumes, though, that the 49ers are going to trade Debo Samuel. Well, I'm, I'm, you, you got to make up an offer, Russ, I think. Well, no, I think at this point, I mean, we, 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 we're on limited time with number 12 there. No, I get it. I think the phone will be picked up. I just don't know if it'll be answered on John Lynch's end. Well, I'm just telling you, you, you got to do what you can to get that. Because, as you mentioned, Sammy Watkins, I mean, if when healthy a few years ago, the guy was awesome. But you need a number one in here. You have to. And here's the other thing, and this is a, a fascinating, uh, for me, topic of conversation, and it's a question we'll probably never know the answer to. But you remember, a year ago, we got stunned on draft night with the Rodgers is unhappy news, which turned out to be absolutely true and turned out to be the storyline of the entire summer. If he doesn't have a receiver in the room after he spent all that time talking about the Packers needing to retain top talent, and he's walking in with Lazard and Cobb and Sammy Watkins, one, two, three. How's he feel right now? Like, you know, we're not hearing disgruntled. We're not hearing him filter that through anybody. But he can't be a happy guy. He's got his contract. But outside of that, he can't be a happy guy, right? I wouldn't think. I mean, look, but here's the other part of it, though. And here's where Aaron has to take some ownership of the way that he has always played in his career. He's going to have to trust a young wide receiver. And he doesn't do that very often. And whether it's a first-round pick, whether it's one of those elite guys, my dream is that they can trade up and get a Drake London. I don't think that's going to happen. But you want to talk about a guy who has enough speed but incredible hands and size and I think is going to have an incredible NFL career. Uh, Maybe you get a Chris Olave, who has just some of the best footwork that I've ever seen. And and coming from a big-time program at Ohio State, there are others that are out there. Uh, this year in the NFL draft, he's going to have to, whomever the Packers get in the first round, I think they're at least going to, they have to at least walk away with one wide receiver in the first round, whether it's via trading up, whether it's, you know, standing pat with 22 and 28, they need a wide receiver. Aaron's going to have to get over not throwing the ball to rookies. That's, that's on him. 
and and he's going to have to come up with a completely different game plan from the one in the loss to San Francisco where he was he looked like a young quarterback with eyes locked on one receiver over and over and over again and that receiver's gone so it's that might be better news across the board for the offense but the problem is that one receiver was your best guy and he's gone so this I think it's a two-step process. I think it's acquisition of players, but then it's also reconstruction of the offense. And Rodgers is great at that over time, but you have to do it. In other words, you got to get the players in the room. Then you have to put a game plan together with what's in the room. So it, that, that to me is why they have to do this now, why, why the draft is whether they make a trade or whether they draft somebody, why they have to do this now, because – you, you have to begin as soon as you can to reconstruct this uh, offense to be at that level, a team that can, can compete for the NFC Championship and go to the Super Bowl. You're going to have to start that process right now. Kevin, we appreciate the time on your off day when you've got uh, some wedding festivities out of state to take care of down in Arkansas. I would say have some okra for me, but... Yeah, okra, I don't know if it does it for me. So have some okra from Chuck, uh, for Chuck and have some brisket for me, and we'll talk to you again when you get back into town. And you guys know it. I, I, I've resisted the sweet tea, uh, but I cannot resist its temptation much longer. So, again, you're in the South. It's the law. Mm-hmm. It's, my, it's my over-under, 280. I'm going to be somebody's offensive lineman when I get back. Well, <laughs> when you roll in, I'm going to stop on by and say hello. <laughs> All right, thanks, Kevin. Thanks, Holdy. Thank you, guys. All right, there he goes, Kevin Holden from CBS 58. Yeah, Kevin's not rolling in at 280. NFL Network is reporting, Ian Rappaport, that the Jets, the Lions, and the Packers continue to be linked to a trade for Debo Samuel. Yeah, the Packers absolutely should be. The Packers, Heller and I were talking about this the other day. You've got to pick up the phone. You have to. Yesterday, you got to do that. Absolutely. As soon as Debo Samuel let it be known that he was he wanted a trade, mm-hmm. you have to pick up the phone. It's good that Brian Gutekunst has. There are other teams, though, besides the Packers that have more draft capital, and the Jets are one of them. And there's a lot of familiarity with the coaching staff that Debo Samuel has. Now, he's not a free agent, mm-hmm. but if I'm John Lynch, I'm more apt to trade him to the Jets than I am the Packers because you're not going to see the Jets in the playoffs. Yeah, but still, if you... If all other things are equal. If you're getting more capital from the Green Bay Packers, you got to grab it. Absolutely. What I'm saying, though, is the Jets have more draft capital than the Packers do. And those they got two of the top ten picks. And those receivers are talking about, yeah, I like them, but I, I don't. can they come in and be an impact player right from the very beginning? It's, you know, As we know, it's a tough to position to come in and you know make things happen right away. And we'll discuss on the other side also why my wife can hang with Aaron Jones, but not necessarily A.J. Dillon. And how does Chuck, you know, factor into all of this? What? Mm-hmm. It's coming up straight ahead. Stay with us. Doug Russell, Chuck Freeman, in for Mike Keller on the game. No Mike Keller on this Friday afternoon. I'm Doug Russell. Chuck Freeman is with us as well today. Uh, our Madison listeners, of course, very well. I would say our Madison listeners currently familiar with Chuck uh, as our morning sports anchor on thirteen ten WIBA in Madison. Of course, this show heard on Fox Sports ten seventy the game in Madison. But you've worked every market in the state, I think. I'm you, also on ten seventy. We both are doing oh, yeah. sports updates. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I'm on Madison in the morning with Robert Colbert, and um, you know we we have a great time. 
uh, Sean Preble, sure. co-host, and we I, I I love being on with those guys this morning. Do the sports updates, and uh, you know people ask, oh, where, what are you doing? I'm over there, and I'm I'm loving life, man. Those people are great to work with. I love working with those two. So you worked in Milwaukee for a long time as well at a number of stations, as mm-hmm. have I. And then around the state, we were both at KFIZ, not at the same time in Fond du Lac. Mm-hmm. And where else? I mean, where else have you been? Well, You've been all over the place. You've been I, in Eau Claire. Yeah, our iHeart stations that are in Eau Claire, which I was in Eau Claire two weeks ago. Okay. And Did you at- drop by? Did you say hello? No, Did you wave? It was a Saturday, okay. but I stayed at the Lismore down. We go to Eau Claire a few times. If there is one other city, if you would say, you know, you can't live in southeast Wisconsin and Milwaukee, which I love, uh, it'd be Eau Claire. I absolutely love Eau Claire. I and, haven't spent a lot of time in Eau Claire. Oh, my God. I cannot believe the, the great things that are going on there from when I went to school there and when I worked there. And I worked at across town too. Uh, I did sports there. Okay. But um, when I was in college, I worked at the iHeart. It was an iHeart back then. Mike Sullivan, the great Mike Sullivan, who was the sports director there, and um, on WBIZ. And they have a great cluster of stations right now. But I drove right by it on Cameron uh, last time. I always take a little drive by there. Um, I think you have to. I, I did Saturday. I think it's morning. in everybody's contract at iHeart that if you're in another city that yeah. has an iHeart station, you've, yeah. you've got to at least drop by and. But in since, a wave. You know, since I worked there when I was you know, 19, 20, 21, 22, and I did the Saturday morning sports and I did post-game shows and all that, did play-by-play, and, you know, I got to love high school sports working in that town. But Eau Claire, man, what a great town. You know, well, here's, here's the deal. What we always do, you know, when you go to a visiting town, you go to out of town, you always, like, you know, go to, like, some restaurant that you've never heard of before or mm-hmm. whatever, try something new. We go to the we go to the same one every Saturday night, the Olive Garden. <laughs> Look, I think all. the Olive Garden gets a bad rap, by the I, way. Well, I love the Olive Garden, but it's like you get your like, unlimited breadsticks. Yep. Oh, I know, but it's like a come on now, and it's uh, the, that mall area is just fantastic by Oakwood Mall right. out there. But I just we we go out there, and it's like Saturday, you know, if we're not golfing over at Wild Ridge, if it's uh, you know the summertime, we golf at Wild Ridge, but just go over to Olive Garden on a Saturday night and. Um, yeah, I mean, you'd think that we'd go try somewhere else in that town, but I just, uh, I mean, walking through, they got a record store in downtown. They still have a record store? They have a record store. It's awesome. I think record it stores are awesome. making a comeback, though. Used they? record store. They got some new ones there. My gosh. What was the last time you played a record? I want to get, was, a, I want to get a jukebox. That's why we went in there. When was the last time you played an REO Speedwagon record? Like, <sighs> like dropping, like dropping the needle on, you know, I don't know. Can't fight this feeling. Okay. Um. I don't think I've ever had the album, uh, High Infidelity. I think I had the cassette tape back in 1979, Um, (laughs) 1980. All those, though, I don't remember the last time, probably 35 years ago. Okay. Yeah. No, but I want to get a jukebox. My brother had a jukebox. I think he sold it for a song, too. He probably could have had his. God, you know, I mean, the only thing, if I buy one, you know, one of these used ones that's been in a bar... From the seventies, if it goes haywire, how do I fix it? Hmm. So, yeah, that's true. But even one of those old phonographs where you could stack the forty fives up there, and they some people have no idea what I'm talking about, and the records drop. Yeah, the old phonographs back yeah, in the day, yeah. the forty fives. Okay, used to be ninety nine sets of Music Land at Sure. Yeah. Do you remember the first REO Speedwagon record that you ever bought? You know, I just assumed that the first record that you ever bought was an REO Speedwagon no, record. No. The, in fact, the first record I ever bought was at Kmart. In Eau Claire, which is not there anymore, on Claremont Avenue. Um, I got it because my cousin lived there, and he bought it for me for my birthday. Do you remember what it was? Michael Jackson's Ben. Ben? Yeah, the name of the album was Ben. 
Yes, and it's. A, I don't remember that. I, he, he did a my sol- first album was Thriller. Okay, I got that for Christmas in 1984. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you're a couple years older than me. Yeah. Not not but, a lot, but a few. But I was like 16, 17. But yeah, I got that. Um, okay. I, I yeah I got I still have that. I still have some of my old albums, but. Um, yeah, and then the cassettes. I CDs. think my albums are somewhere in my parents' basement. Don't ever throw them away. I think. Well, I don't. I don't know where they are. Oh, you don't. I think they could be melted. I mean, I, that they're in the basement. They're warm basement. It's not a warm basement. So, you but know. if it's like near a heater or something, you know, sometimes they warp a little. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, it's a first run thriller. I mean, yeah. I don't know that that's worth a whole lot, but well, it might be yeah. worth something. I don't yeah, know. That's well, nostalgia. Okay. So that was the first. What was the second one? Men at Work. Uh, the yellow one. Okay. What was it? Uh, I forgot the name of the I, album. I don't remember. But, but, my but buddy, it was Men at Work. By my buddy. They were big back in the day. Mark Taus used to have the cassette, and we used to play it all the time. We played a pickup basketball over at Community Center in Greendale. Used to play the Men at Work on the cassette player, go out there and play some two-on-twos. All right. I mean, it just it takes you back a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Johnny Be Good. Who could it be now? Sure. Got a favorite Men at Work song for us? Well, I fired this one up. <laughs> Who can it be now? You can't go wrong. You can't go Have wrong. Have they ever done a band song? You know, Colin Hay like goes on tour by himself these days. I know. Say. One of these days I'm going to go. One of these days I'm going to go to. I a feel show. like he's always in Wisconsin too. Maybe maybe he's, like he's playing, listening like, right now. Like sometimes he's like playing Madison. I wonder. Does he have like a second home here? I don't know because like he and Rick Springfield, they're like here every other month. Colin Hay playing Madison. Playing. Madison. Well, he's the one you want to hear from. He's the lead singer. Yeah, yeah. But I guess. Men at Work are going on tour. Now, I don't know if Colin Hay is a part of that, but... Well, if usually, he's not a part of it, then don't then don't bother. No, but but usually, like, if... Um, they'll make a special mention. They'll say, Men at Work featuring Colin Hay. You know, one of those deals. They'll mention the lead singer if he's actually going to be part of it, because you could go... Like, Journey doesn't have Steve Perry. I think they're terrible without him. Okay. I think that's fair. No. I think that's fair. So, I, I guess that's the, uh, the advantage like that Randy I have Owen. over here. It's like Alabama without Randy Owen. Sure. I mean, we can we, we can take that journey. Yeah. But, yeah, that's the one thing that I like about, you know, what, what's in front of me. I, I've got all of the controls in front of me. And, it, by the way, I mentioned this on the Mike Heller show earlier this week, but this is just kind of a blanket statement. Mm-hmm. If, you, if, if, if I'm, I'm sometimes tired of choosing all the bumper music. If anybody has a bumper music request, that doesn't mean I'm automatically going to play it. If it's not in our system, mm-hmm. it's probably something that sucks, and I'm not—I'm probably not going to play it. But we have, let's see, we've got a hip-hop station next door, we've got a country station next door, we've got an 80s station next door. This used to be a top 40 state. We've got most of the genres covered. But if it's too out there, I probably can't find it. But I do take requests. This used to be the 97.3. used to be WLPX, the rock station, okay. growing up as a kid. Okay. And this is where you fell in love with Ario and Styx and sure. you know, that late 70s rock. Uh, Bob writes, my first album was Kenny Rogers' Greatest Hits. Okay. Had 100 albums, 245s, all wrecked in a flood. Oh, Oh, no. That's Bob in Minneapolis. In the basement? Uh, And he also, uh, the Men at Work album is Business as Usual. Business as Usual. That's what it was. Thank you, Bob. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, Kenny, the Eddie uh, uh, Rabbit fan, also says Business as Usual. Did he say, you say Eddie Rabbit fan? Kenny, the Eddie Rabbit fan. There we go. He's one of our texters. Yes. So I'm down with Eddie the Rabbit. The talking text line is always open to you at 414-799-1973. So I mentioned this, and you and I were kind of <laughs> speaking of Eau Claire. I haven't spent a whole lot of time in Eau Claire. My wife has never been to Door County. Like, ever. Like, never once. And has lived almost her entire life here. 
That's hard to believe because you're a traveler and you've been to 47 states. Yes, and it will be 50 by the end of summer. So what's the closest? Green Bay for her? Probably. Okay. So as a kid, never went up there? No. I've only been there twice. But the thing is, A.J. Dillon, he's like the mayor of Door County. Now he lives a lot closer to Door County than we do here in southeastern Wisconsin. I thought Coonsie was. Coonsie? No, it's A.J. Dillon. Coonsie lives up there, doesn't he? Well, he lives somewhere up there. Yeah, okay. But A.J. Dillon, they gave him the key to the key to the county. Did they really? Yes. What city does he live in? I don't know. Uh, he, it's all one He big travels city. up there all the time, though. Okay. I mean, it's a hop, skip, and a jump from, from Green Bay. Okay. Have you thought about, now, your wife, does she have any hunger for going to Door County? She would like to go at some point, yes. Okay. Yeah. We make a trip up there once a year in the middle of July. Oh, okay. Yeah, once, once right in Fish Creek. Love so, it. my wife can't hang with A.J. Dillon, but... She is all in on Aaron Jones. Okay. Uh, so Aaron Jones, UTEP. My wife played tennis at UTEP. Mm-hmm. Turns out, and now several years before Aaron Jones was at UTEP, they know all of the same people from the athletic department. That's one thing that I think a lot of people don't realize is that in college athletic departments, mm-hmm. it, it's, uh, you know, yesterday here on the Mike Heller Show, uh, Grant Mertz was talking about how he's friends with all the volleyball players, and that kind of raised the bar. They just won a national championship. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't think about that. It's the basketball players and the football players and the volleyball players and the hockey teams. They all, I mean, they're all in the same places at the same time. They take many of the same classes. Sure. They have the same trainers. They have the same uh, equipment people, yeah. the same workouts. They all know each other. Mm-hmm. So we were in El Paso as I was knocking off state number 46, which was New Mexico, uh, late last year. And she took me through some of her old haunts in El Paso. And, you know, same trainer. Same equipment guys took me th- that you know went on a behind the scenes tour of the stadium, walked through the locker room and well, everything. That's been and Aaron twenty five jo- years now. For Aaron, her, right? Yeah, I yeah. said a few years. Yeah. yeah, and Aaron Jones's you know pictures up on the wall, mm-hmm. along with you know all the other greats. You know, walk past. Oh, there's Chris Jackie. Chris his, Jackie. Yeah, yeah, he was he was one on the wall as well. Okay. Don Maynard, who recently passed away. Uh, he, he's a UTEP. It was Texas Western back at the time. All right. So yeah, I mean, my, so my wife is all in on Aaron Jones, but AJ Dillon. Door County, Eric has never been there. So one of these days we've got to get up there, basically. You do. It, it, it's a beautiful, I mean, what part of Wisconsin is it, especially in the summertime? But, I mean, Door County, take her up there, go to fish. I saw, I watched um, Game 5, the, the Bucks and Sons at Huspies in Sister Bay. Last okay. year we were up there vacationing, went up there. Is that and, what you recommend? Well, it's like the big sports bar up there. Okay. But, like, normally I would think that they wouldn't have the Bucks on, but that place was wall-to-wall, people with Bucks shirts because everybody was all in in the Bucks last summer, you know that. Well, sure. Um, and that's the, that's where I went, and that place exploded. You know, especially after the the strip and lob dunker the other way, the the roof came off of Huspies at that point. Um, but yeah, you got to go. Oh, you know, nice golf courses up there. Uh, it's just walking on. I mean, whatever you do up there. Uh, Fish Creek closes about ten o'clock at night. The town is completely dark. <laughs> ten, well, hey, listen, ten o'clock in some in some smaller places. Yeah, that's late. Yeah, no, I know. When a when a place closes up shop at like seven o'clock, that's when I. Yeah, no, this is like ten o'clock. All at right. Fish ten Creek. o'clock's not bad. But Sister Bay up there, you know, they, they're a little later. But I, I we Pat. we look forward to our trip all the time uh, in Door County, and I love it. You know, just hanging up there for four days, it just goes too fast. Had into Pier right, Sister Bay has exploded in the last five years. Certainly. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, 715 writes, my first vinyl was Queen's News of the World. He still has it. 
We Will Rock You, We Are the Champions, to this day, my favorite songs ever. Probably like 1979 we're talking there. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Brad and Sheboygan asks, Doug, what state, uh, three states are you crossing off the list to make it 50? Yeah, what is it? Uh, Oregon, Washington, and uh, Idaho. Oh, is that why you're going to be you know, go make a little trip out there? Okay. Make a little trip out there, knock off all three, and then okay. it will be 50 for 50. All done right. and done. Oh, that's good. I and wanted you, to get all 50 in. Yeah, take the young lady to the Door County, though. Well, yeah. I mean, we'll we'll get up there. Mm-hmm. We'll get up there. You know, uh, you mentioned Door County. Has there been a is there a part of Wisconsin that you've never been through? That I've never been through. I've never been to the Apostle Islands, and I'd really okay. like to go to the Apostle Islands. I know that's the far, far reaches way up there of the state. That's near the North Pole. I, well, it's closer to the North Pole than the rest of the state, <laughs> but I don't know that it's near the North near, Pole. Near the North Pole. Near the North Pole. <laughs> you know, I, it is, it's near the North Pole. Gotta get you a map or let maybe me, a globe. Let, let me tell you something. <laughs> I've been to everywhere in Wisconsin, but I have not been, and you're going to think this is strange, I have not been in Wisconsin west of Madison. I have not been out that whole area. Wait, what? I have not been west of Madison. Now, I'm, I've been You've to been Iowa. northwest Madison, though. Ooh. I mean, Eau Claire is like, it's north, but it's also west. But I mean, west of, I mean, well, it's Like north. Platteville is what you're saying. Yes. Okay. Prairie du Chien, out that way. I mean, I was in Verona last week for my kids' lacrosse tournament. Okay. And I, you know, I stood out there on the field and uh, I could see Iowa. You know, Sarah Palin <laughs> used to be able to see Alaska. You mean Russia from my house? Russia from Alaska. Which she actually I, never I thought said, I saw but... Iowa from Verona. Okay. So... But yeah, that's uh, yeah. I've never been west. So of, wh- that's the furthest west I've been is Middleton, probably. What is what is Chuck missing? What am I missing? Hit us up on the talking text line. Text it in pellawi.com talking text line. Uh, Stone Innovations talking text line four one four seven nine nine one nine seven three again four one four seven nine nine one nine seven three. What are the little bergs in Wisconsin that we're missing? A little bit. Apostle Island. Heard there's a great golf course. Apostle Island up there. Yeah. Let me guess. It's called the Apostle Islands Golf Course. I don't know. Um, one of the guys who runs security at uh, Amfam Field uh, dropped uh, a little brochure off to me one time because he's got a ca- he's got a cabin up there. Imagine having a cabin up there, and you got to you live in Milwaukee, and you got to go take care of a cabin at the Apostle Islands every couple of weeks. <laughs> be back at work at Monday morning. Um, what is that? About a six seven hour drive, yeah. something like that. My I gosh, get up there as I'm well. I'm dreading this 45 minute drive though, La Myra tonight. Four one four seven nine nine one ninety seven three. Doug Russell, Chuck Free, Middleton for Mike Eller. It's a Friday afternoon here on the game. Stay with us. Yeah, take requests from the 608. He wanted to hear Return of the Mac by Mac Morrison. Do what I can. If it's in the system, it's easy to find. If it's not in the system, it's hard to find. Welcome back in. The Mike Heller Show continues without Mike Heller. He'll be back on Monday. Doug Russell and Chuck Freeman until 3 o'clock before we turn things over. Uh, A couple guys in Green Bay. We'll tell you a little bit about them coming up a little bit later on as well. Uh, Keep your texts coming in, by the way, about uh, some... Bergs in the state of Wisconsin that either Chuck or I haven't been to that we probably should get to. Uh, let's see. Uh, the king of the sofa, uh, Dave, uh, he writes in, the only place that you should avoid, and he sent a map of South Milwaukee. That's, see, that's just not nice. South Milwaukee? It's just not. That's, no. That's not, not, that's not very oh, nice. Oh, I mean, South Milwaukee. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's I mean, oh. 
I it wasn't some... me. I'm just, I didn't text it in. You got, I mean, if you go to South Milwaukee, I mean, yeah, you got to turn your watch back to 1974. But still, that's our that's our area, man. That's uh, that's your that's your wheelhouse. Yes, that's where you're. Grant Park. Yeah, that's like the first time I ever yeah. golfed. I drove my bike down to South, and there was, uh, I mean, the corner bars in South Milwaukee. You know the the the, the, the like the tw- it's not Twelfth Street. It's like Twelfth Avenue. I think they have like avenues for for streets. Okay, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah. There's an old Dairy Queen there. You should take that personally. If somebody cracked on Waukesha like that, I'd take it personally. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I grew up in Greendale, but still South Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. You know, the South Shore Y that they had to close in South Milwaukee, sure. it's a shame because I you know, I used to play pickup basketball there. No, South Milwaukee is outstanding. So you know, had Dave. Cudahy, <laughs> South Milwaukee, you know, all in. Huh. Uh, Pat- you know, Sean, Sean Preble, the outstanding program director of WIBA and WTSO, Reminds me that Beloit, now you know, somebody might say, well, Beloit, but he tells me all the time that Beloit is a growing, beautiful area and a place to visit, a destination. He's telling me, told me a few times that, you know, you know, got the new going, ABC Supply Ballpark downtown, too. Yeah, if you want a, a nice. weekend trip, take a trip to Beloit. Now, you wouldn't have said that 10 years ago, but now you can, according to uh, my guy, Sean Preble. Very nice. Uh, Pat and DePierre writes that uh, A.J. Dillon's in laws. Have a nice place in Door County, and Coon has a place near said property. So I guess John Coon does live. Yeah, in Door well, County. I don't know where John Coon lives. I've never been to his house. I haven't gotten the invite. Well, I haven't got the invite to be on a show in well over two years. So what did you do? Uh, well, you know, I don't, I, I don't know. All right. Uh, next topic. <laughs> well, I mean, well, right? I, what am I going to say? I haven't been, been. I haven't filled in at all on that show. It's something. Something not right. Something uh, okay. is definitely. Not right. Doug Russell when, and Chuck. When you're allowed on certain shows and not others, you always got to kind of scratch your head and like, okay. okay. All right. All right. So you're playing golf tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Two o'clock tea time. Okay. Uh, we're going to see Michael Che tomorrow night. Who? Michael Che. Saturday Night Live. Weekend update. Where's he at? He's going to be at the Improv in Milwaukee. Actually in Brookfield. Okay. Just doing a stand-up? Yeah. Okay. And a few opening acts? I hope so. Usually there's a couple to warm up the, warm up the crowd. All right. So looking forward to that. I'm in a comedy club in... Well, we went to Dangerfields and we went out to New York back before COVID. Okay. Before COVID destroyed New York. Um, but yeah, well, so I thought it'd be fun. A little night on the town, get a little dinner beforehand. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. The Russell's out and about in Waukesha. The, the, well, Brookfield. Brookfield, okay. Yeah, same. It's at the the corners. Actually, um, who was there? Jay Moore was there not too long ago. And uh, we saw him, too. So, yeah, we try to get out as much as possible. Uh, should tell you about uh, what's coming up on Sunday on our Milwaukee station, 97.3, the game of the flagship station uh, here and the uh, new flagship of the Green Bay Packers. One of the great games in Packers history, and it's recent Packers history. Now, we kicked off what we call Packers Prime last week with Super Bowl 31. I figured if we're going to kick off our Packers flagship them, mm-hmm. I think I just made up a word, might as well do it with one of the classic games of all time. So we played Jim and Max, and Larry McCarron was in the booth as well. Super Bowl 31, uh, January 26th, 7th, uh, 1997, New Orleans, Louisiana, and boom, it just brought everybody back. And listening to that game again, I listened to most of it, and it was just mwah, chef's kiss perfect. This week, mm-hmm. we're doing the Motor City Miracle. Now, it's not from that long ago. It's only from 2015, and... Going back through this game, there's so many subplots to it because the Packers started off the season 6-0. Then they went into the bye week. Then they lost four out of five. They needed this win. 2015. 2015. The wheels were coming off. Mm -hmm. 
And they already lost once to the Detroit Lions, who started off the season 0 for 7, 0 and 7. And then they went into their bye week. They come off of their bye week and they knock off the Packers. So it's like a complete reversal of fortune. The Vikings were having a good season and they wound up winning the division that year. The Packers finished 10 and 6, but they needed to have this game. They were trailing 17 to nothing after the first quarter. At one point in the second half, they were down 20 to nothing. You know how many seconds the Packers led in this game, the Motor City Miracle of the 60 minutes? Zero because of Zero. untimed down. Yes, yes, that is the correct answer. Yes. They led for exactly no time, mm-hmm. but there was one untimed down left because of a phantom face mask call yeah. that uh, Aaron Rodgers got. I, 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 he didn't you know, get away with it or anything, but it was called on Aaron. They gave the Packers one last down, and Aaron heaved it. You know, when you initially told me the Motor City Miracle, my first thought was Favre to Sharp in... 94-93, uh, kind of broke the road on and got mm-hmm. the first playoff win. That is one uh-huh. of them that's on the list. I thought that was one. And then, you know, you mentioned the Rodgers, the Rodgers. Rodgers to Rodgers. Uh, uh, Richard Rodgers, his moment in the sun. Yes, yes. And, you know, we barely knew you. We're trying to get everybody just, you know, acclimating. You know, football season. Yeah. It, you know, spring, the, there's no spring game this year at mm-hmm. Camp Randall Stadium because the <laughs> Camp Randall Stadium is a construction zone right now. There's no AstroTurf that's actually on the turf at Camp Randall. They're replacing it, but they're also doing the South End Zone uh, expansion and turning it into something that's really nice as opposed to just the bleachers. So there is no spring game. They're having practice, what they call Practice 15. Uh, that's this evening mm-hmm. at the, the Don McLean Center, uh, just adjacent to, and it's not open to the public or anything like that for obvious reasons. Um, but we want to get people kind of, you know, acclimated. It's like football is a 12-month-a-year kind of uh, situations where we're, we're going to try to give you some of the best Packers games of all time leading up to uh, when we take over the Packers. I mean, we've kind of we've taken over the Packers radio network, mm-hmm. um, but we, we want to, you know, really kind of hammer it home. Well, we're, we're your new home for Packers. Well, football. you know me, Russ. You know I love retro, and uh, you know I think our, I think Milwaukee, okay, likes retro. We like going back. We like going back in history. Mm-hmm. And you know what? When you mentioned. When you mention any of these games, whether it's the Super Bowl or you mention um, the Motor City Miracle, you know you always think, "Where were you when mm-hmm. that happened? What where were you watching a game? What how was that? Where what kind of time of your life was that? What were you doing? Where were you working? Mm-hmm. You know, that's the first thing when you mentioned that. I think I think of where I watched the game. I watched it at a bar called Aliotos on Hampton, okay, like in Whitefish Bay. Sure. Yeah, I've been past it. With Shannon's family. Yeah, that's like their hangout. That was a Thursday night. It was a Thursday night. I had to work the next morning, but we all went there and watched the game, and uh, we were going to leave early because it was looking terrible. It was. I mean, like I said, they were down 17 to nothing yeah. at halftime. They were down 20 to nothing shortly after the first half. They were down 20 to nothing before they ever got the ball in the second half, and then the Packers just started to turn things around, and it's one of those adages that just give Aaron Rodgers a chance. Just give him a chance. And we've seen games like this, whether it was the opening game. Here's another one that we're going to play at some point this summer. Uh, We'll play the opening game from when, I think it was 2018, when the Packers opened up against the Bears, and they got down early after Aaron Rodgers sprained his knee. And we're all thinking, oh, my God, is he injured for the entire season again like he was the previous year? And then he comes back and just like, a phoenix rising from the ashes after halftime comes back and leads the Packers to a week one win over the Chicago Bears. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the great Aaron Rodgers performances over the years. We will play that at some point this summer. There we go. 
Uh, we going to play the Super Bowl 32 loss against uh, no. Denver? We're not going to. Why? No, why would you do that? No, why I'm would saying, you ask I me that? I have, I, I have the audio no, of it. I, I do have the audio of it. I'm not going to. I am not so going to subject <laughs> Packers fans to that because, and Heller and I disagree about this. I'd like to get your thoughts on this. What's the worst loss the Packers have ever had? Because for me, it's Super Bowl 32. So when we, so when we replay these, it's all victories. It's not. We're well, gonna, obviously, <laughs> we're not going to have the Kaepernick game. We're not going to have. No, no I'm not. Let's go back to the 2014 <laughs> NFC Championship game while we're at it. Well, you know what? I mean, I just the, I'm out of curiosity. It's going to make me feel terrible. It's going to make me feel awful here in 2014. But I mean, like the Cowboy losses of the mid 90s. Why would else. I do that? <laughs> I just why I'm, would I do that? I'm just asking you. Yeah, I'm just asking. You. We we're, we're, we're just. I gonna love all, our listeners. We're just going to hear all victories. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, you're all. I promise you. You might have when more you, to choose from. When you, well, you'd have a lot more to choose from, a considerable amount to cho- more to choose from. But I promise you, if you tune in on Sunday afternoons, uh, the Packers are going to go undefeated. <laughs> right up, right up until they open up the season. They're going to win every. Game. That is my promise to you. They're going to win every game on a Sunday. You're guaranteed a victory. On a you Sunday. are guaranteed a victory. When the Packers, when you're listening to the Packers against the Lions coming up this Sunday, starting at noon. <laughs> Noon until three yeah. on our Milwaukee flagship station, ninety-seven three, the game, or, or on the wide, worldwide iHeartRadio app. Uh, I guarantee, when they're down twenty to nothing in the third quarter, mm-hmm. you're gonna like how it ends. Okay, take the you now. Can I bet on the game? Well, can I take the live line if on you, that? If you can Getting find plus six hundred, if you can find somebody <laughs> yeah. who will take that action, yeah. Oh God, I say go for that it. That game that's on the radio, uh, you know, I say the heart the Packers are playing. I'll take the what, what do y'all on a live line? The Packers down twenty nothing. Um, mm-hmm. Well, that's good. Are we doing a pregame show or just leading right into the opening? No, kickoff? just the just the game. Okay. I mean, do you really want to hear the pregame show? I can send it to you. No, if but you, you know it's going to get. If you really want to hear it, no, but you know what it's going to do? It's going to get ready for football. That's the hope. I know it is. That's, that's the hope. That's, that's a, you know, yeah. there's there's a method behind the madness. No, it is. Hey, you know what? We're embracing Packer football, and we should. This 100%. Is be, this is going to be a fun run here we got. Uh, let's see. Anthony in Sockville writes, the worst Packers loss to me was their first playoff loss at Lambeau. That was to Michael Vick and the Atlanta Falcons. Oh, on a Saturday night, yeah. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I, I remember. That's, I mean, no. It's it's got It's Super Bowl thirty two, isn't it? Because Heller thinks that it's the 2014 NFC Championship game. And I get it. That was a bad loss. Fourth and 26 was a bad loss. I'm not saying that, oh, that was all, all, well, that's all well another good. Game. Yeah, it's another, but that's a whole different. Yeah. When you lose, and they were, by the way, heavily favored in Super Bowl 32 against the Denver Broncos in San Diego. 13 and a half points. 13 and a half points. And their defense played like dog crap. I know. Well, they, I remember. They were overconfident. The defense certainly didn't take the game seriously. You talk to players that were on that team, and they just kind of lollygagged their way through the whole week of practice. How do you lollygag on Super Bowl week? Well, they they were coming off the Super Bowl. They were favored by 13 and a half points. How do you not take the Super Bowl? You know, it's funny, um, because we were both out there, and I did my show from out there. And, uh, you know, everybody's picking the Packers. Mm -hmm. The one guy that picked Denver uh, was... Tom Jackson from remember Tom Jackson from ESPN still works for ESPN, but TJ picked the Broncos. Came my show, picked the Broncos. I said, "Come on, you're only picking the Broncos because you're a former Bronco." And no, he laid it out for me, and I was just like, "Oh man, pick it!" Yeah, I was kind of joke all week up. Tom Jackson picking the Broncos, and mm-hmm. he, you know, we're going back to my hotel at about one o'clock in the morning following that, and it was a tough one. But I tell you, the way they lost that game in Seattle in 2014. 
but they weren't supposed to win it. They weren't the favored team. They were the road team for a reason. Seattle, and it was a, the way that they lost was awful because they stopped playing football with five minutes left. Well, when Morgan Burnett got the interception of Russell Wilson and Julius Peppers told him to lay down on the turf, mm-hmm. that was emblematic of the way the entire game played and the way that the entire team played, including Mike McCarthy on the sidelines, who all he did was, we love the guy, but all he would, you know, John Kuhn up the middle, Kuhn up the middle, just running it up the middle. And it was the worst play calling that Mike McCarthy can ever look back on in his entire career, in my opinion, because they played to try to not lose. Yeah. And it was so unimaginative and so bland. And what it was was no gain, no gain, no gain, timeout, 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 punt. And then they scored. Yeah. Well, and I then mean, they just, and then they ran it back again. So many things went against them in that game about that, that they caused. 18 things had to go wrong, and yep. all 18 did. See, that's including the main, Brandon Boss. But see, had they just lost the game 27 to 3, it wouldn't be up there as worst losses. Oh, I but get I mean, it. But the, how they lost. It's certainly one of them to oh. me. It's in the top five. How they but lost. But ain't number one. Yeah, to me. You know, it's just, it's like, it's like the Wisconsin Badger basketball team, if I can for one second. Please. To me, losing in 2014 to Kentucky in the Final Four right. was a tougher loss for me as a fan than losing the Duke in the National Championship game. See, not for me. Because I think if they beat Kentucky, they beat Connecticut on Monday night. Well, maybe. I mean, and if the Packers go on to the Super Bowl, that would have been in Phoenix that year. Where they had taken on? Who did Seattle beat or go to the uh, Super Bowl against? They would have played that year. Denver, right? Yeah, I think it was Denver. I'd have to go back and check. But irrespective of of you know who they would have played in, in the Super Bowl, I just kind of you put it out of your mind because the, the the taste in your mouth was just so bitter about that. Again, I am not saying that the 2014 NFC Championship mm-hmm. game in Seattle, the Bostic Bungle, the the way that the Packers just laid down and died, the way that they you know weren't competitive in the last five minutes and then on into overtime. I'm not saying that didn't hurt. It stung. It might be, to me, the second worst loss, worse than fourth and 26, might have been the second worst loss that the Packers have ever suffered. But to me, there is no pain like the pain of losing a championship game that's there to be won, whether it's 2015, Wisconsin against Duke, as opposed to the year prior against Kentucky. And I get it. It was one-point loss against Kentucky. It, It didn't feel good by any means. Maybe the second worst loss for me in Badgers basketball history. But there's just something about losing that championship round I know, where no. there's a tro- I mean, the trophy, you could see it. It's just, it's over on the sidelines, and whoever wins gets to take it home forever. I know. And put your, and you know what? You win and you won two in a row and you become a dynasty. Yeah. I'm not saying you're wrong on that, but man, it just seems like that Seattle game. Uh, I mean, because they were the first game of the championship games that day. And I remember they lost that game. I just went out on my in my You backyard. broke something, didn't you? Well, not as bad as I broke the three bobbleheads the other night when Embiid hit the three-pointer. But we'll get to that one later. Well, you had money on that. That's why. No, because I can't stand that guy. Um, but we'll get to that. We'll probably, I probably have not disliked an athlete more in my life. Than Joel Embiid, okay. I can't stand the guy, and I and I'm glad, and I, I can't wait to the Bucks face him in the finals, the conference finals, because let me tell you something, I may be trading my media hat for one of those front row seats, maybe cash <laughs> in the 401k. If you thought Drake was bad when Toronto played the Bucks, 
You haven't seen old Freeman's on the sideline because I'll be in that guy's. I'll be all over Embiid every possession. Okay. I'll be right down there, uh, courtside. I look forward to that. Uh, he's Chuck Freeman. I'm Doug Russell. We're but, in for Mike Heller. But yeah, the 2014 game, I didn't even watch the AFC Championship game later that night. I just I kept the TV off. I just sat on my couch. Just steam was coming out of my ears. Hit us up on the talking text line, 414 799 1973. Which one sticks in your craw the most? We had one guy. Let's see. I got to find it. Someone in the 414 didn't sign it. Play all Packers victories and then the last one play a losing game. <laughs> Coming up this week, 4th and 26. <laughs> Who brought lose again? It's the game. Stay with us. No, Mike Keller. He's off. He'll be back on Monday. Doug Russell and Chuck Freeman. I almost forgot this hour's Spring Green Cash Contest. The nationwide keyword this hour. By the way, you have to go to our website, thegamemke.com. And uh, we'll put, a, if you're a winner, now this is a nationwide contest, so, you know, you're competing with other people. But you have exactly four minutes to get it in. Sorry about that. But it's fresh of mind, so do it now. The nationwide keyword this hour in the Spring Green Cash Contest is Spring. You have until 55 past the hour. That's four minutes from now. So creating a little urgency, if you will, to go to the game MKE.com and enter the word spring to enter the contest for this hour. Good luck. And I will give the uh, word earlier in the hour next hour. Well, you know what? I better late than ever. Like when I put a tweet on, like, you, like if you and I are filling in on, on a show, like with on Heller's show today, it's like, do I put it out a half hour ahead of time? Because, you know, people have got so many things going on. They're not sure. going to remember. Oh, yeah. You know, those guys are going to be on this afternoon. I forget. So, you know, so I argue, I always like wrestle. Should I put it out a half hour before or like five minutes before we go on the show? So in this case, it was four minutes. <laughs> four so, minutes is good. Hey, hey, you know, top of mind. Go to the go to MKE.com. I can only, they only allow me to read it once mm-hmm. per hour. So I missed it. Eh, sorry. Um, you could also tweet into the program as well. The talking text line is always open to you. 414-799-1973. But uh, Randy, you can, by the way, find me on Twitter. It's very simple. It's at Doug Russell, and you're at Chuck Freeman. Mm -hmm. It's amazing how that works. Uh, Randy writes, I've got more than a feeling, that he put in quotes, that the Bucks are going to win in Boston. So I think that was a a song request. Okay. Throwing a little Boston in there. Boston, 1978 or so. Yeah, give or take. It's a good tune. Yeah, sure is. You know, Boston put out this big album, and then they went away. And I was like, God, they put up the Yeah, and they didn't album. come back until like the late 80s. Yeah, 87 with Amanda and that all those songs. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see. Bob in Minneapolis writes, without a doubt, the NFC conference game against Seattle is the worst loss in Packers history. I think it, there's arguments on both sides, Russ. I understand the artless. Again, I'm not saying that the NFC championship game in Seattle wasn't a debacle at the end. I'm saying the one that hurt me the worst was Super Bowl 32. It's not close. You're never going to convince me otherwise. Losing a championship, there's nothing like losing a championship game. The worst loss in Brewers history for me was 1982, game 7 of the World Series. That is the wor- and it will forever be. It's a loss that m- scarred my childhood. Really? See, I I wasn't game 7 losing game 7 of the 1982 World Series. I was 15 years old, Russ, and I th- I was thinking they'll be back. <laughs> They'll be back. And how'd that work out? 
Uh, I had to get back to the postseason for, what, 27 years? Yep. Uh, yeah. yeah. The second worst loss was Game 7 in the 2018 uh, National League Championship Series. That's the, the second Dodgers. worst loss Yeah, for me. And they had leads in both of them. Now they had a lead in the sixth. Uh, by the way, I asked Ted Simmons that same question, and that loss in Game 7 of the 1982 World Series mm-hmm. it still haunts them to this day. It does? Okay. Yeah, the Brewers had five Hall of Famers. You will never convince me that the Brewers weren't the better team, but they just weren't better in that series and better on that day. I, you know, if you, when you put it that way, Russ, you look at all the – and it's not like those guys were at the end of their careers either. They were all the prime of their career. All five, like when Aaron was here in 76, he was at the end of his career. Yeah, I mean, Raleigh Fingers had won the MVP and yeah. Cy Young Award the year before. He got hurt, obviously, mm-hmm. down the stretch. Don Sutton still had – they wouldn't have gotten to the postseason without Don Sutton. Yeah. And he still had stuff left in the tank uh, when he got to Milwaukee. I mean, Paul Molitor was in the prime of his career. Robin Yount was the MVP that year, first mm-hmm. of two. He was uh, in the prime of his career. Ted Simmons, the fifth Hall of Famer. Really, if you ask Jerry Augustine, uh, good friend, uh, gave me some real insight into what exactly Ted Simmons gave the Brewers when he got to Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. And he was that calming influence. He was the, the leader in the clubhouse. And you didn't necessarily equate him with that if you were on the outside because you're looking at Molitor, you're looking at Yount. I mean, they were young players at the time, but they were the stars of the team. Ah, oh, it was Ted Simmons. He was the glue in that entire clubhouse. Uh, Simba spilled a beer on me on accident nice. in the locker room one time. Oh, that's awesome. I was moving right near him, and he, you know, because Simba always, like, after games, he'd have a beer in one hand. This is like when players had beers in the locker room. He'd have a beer in one hand and a cigarette in the other. You'll find neither in a locker room anymore. Well, no, there's a reason for that, especially the cigarette thing. Yeah. everybody. I think most players smoked back in the day. Well, I know. I mean, they all did. Uh, your, your friend Kenny, the Eddie Rabbit fan, wow, the 82 series is a bummer, but it didn't hurt, near, uh, hurt nearly as much as losing to the Yankees in Game 5 of the playoffs the previous year. See, I just disagree with that. I mean, losing to the Yankees the previous year sucked, but... Again, trophy. We're talking about the trophy. The trophy was there in St. Louis. Yeah, so many people. There was for- no trophy at Yankee Stadium. People forget about that 81 series because it was a strike year. And it was a split season. Yeah. But the Brewers lost the first two games at home. It was the best of five. Went right. and won the next two in New York and then lost yep. on, you know, Reggie hit a home run. Um, maybe the only play- athlete I ever hated worse than Embiid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as a, yeah. um, Reggie, ja- I hated Reggie Jackson back then. I know hate's a bad word, but it describes my feelings exactly for Reggie at the time and Embiid uh, these days. So, um, do you remember in '82 when they beat Baltimore in Game 162? Of course. What's your greatest Brewer victory? Mm, well, it's got to be Game Five against the Angels, right? Yeah. Although 163 down in Chicago, Russ. It was sweet, but they didn't get him to the World Series. I know, 28. I thought they I were mean, when, when Cecil Cooper singled home Gantner and Moore. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was that that was as good as it gets. It was. It when was. Rod Carew hit a one-hopper to Yount, and Yount threw it over to Coop. Mm-hmm. And the melee that ensued at County Stadium. My friend Dwayne Mosley did the play-by-play that inning because Euchre was on national TV. Yeah. So that's probably that's got to be the greatest victory in yeah. Brewers yeah, history. Of course, yeah. I mean, the World Series game one sixty two in two thousand eight was pretty sweet. But too. did you did you think though after eighty two and, and you said that was your worst loss? <laughs> Come on, you didn't think forty years we'd be counting counting time yet? No, we did not. Yeah. He's Chuck Freeman. I'm Doug Russell. One more hour to go. Stay with us. We're in for Mike Keller today on a Friday afternoon.
Final hour of the Mike Keller Show without Mike Keller, Doug Russell, Chuck Freeman. And we've been talking about, I don't even know how we got on this, but the worst loss and best win, I guess, in our sports team's histories. And uh, Benjamin Yount, uh, news director at WISN Radio, our sister station in Milwaukee, uh, he was. I like how you throw that in in Milwaukee. In, well, we're on statewide. We're on statewide. Cardinal fan thing. Yes. He's the news director in Milwaukee. Right. Uh, <laughs> he joins us uh, in studio. Basically, if you say, "Hey Ben, you want to grab a mic?" He's filling in for Belling today. Yeah, you're filling in for Belling yeah. later on uh, in an hour or so. So you got a couple minutes before I, you know, let you go eat your lunch. Um, so I didn't know you were a Cardinals fan, though. No. I, I, I did most of my career in Central Illinois, okay. and almost every radio station I worked at was a Cardinal baseball affiliate sure. and so if you wanted to talk baseball you had to talk cardinals and that was this was in the 90s when they started to get really good it, it, you know the, the mcguire years and then into the pujos years and i think we won two world championships during that time when i was in, in central illinois yeah. in I, we try to forget yeah. about 2011 Two, Tigers. 2011 yeah. yeah well and it was it was the 04 team yeah. that was supposed to be the team of destiny and by the way, that that four days in October, that great thirty for thirty is now on Disney Plus. It is my second favorite of those. Okay, uh, the, the U is still the best. There's no there's no thirty for thirty ever better than the U. That is absolutely well, that's, uh, phenomenal. That's but no, that that 04 kind of team was supposed to be. That was it. I mean, that was the best team mm-hmm. since since Whitey Herzog. I mean, it was a great team, and they folded to the team of destiny uh, against the, the the Red Sox. But I. I I watched the 82 series up here when there wasn't baseball. They okay. ran it on Bally Sports, mm-hmm. and it was Brewer Classics. And, and I watched them take, you know, the Brewers take the lead, and then the other two games in St. Louis just never aired. <laughs> I can't help but notice that you have the same last name as a pretty good Brewers player. But he this pronounces is, it differently. Well, yeah, I, I pronounce it Yount as opposed to Yount, but I've never bothered. But the coolest part is— But the spelling is the it's same. The exact same. I now—I have three Robin Yount jerseys. <laughs> That's a kind of Because, well, I, I do like the Brewers, and we're okay. up here, and we've got season sure. tickets, and we go all the time. I mean, look, if they sold beer at a Little League game, I'd go and tailgate <laughs> at a Little League game. I love going and watching baseball. Uh, but it's it's so cool. I always wanted to have my name on a jersey. I'm as a grown man, I'm not going to put my name on somebody else's jersey. So you pick the Hall of Famer. So it's mm-hmm. it's nice to have. You know, it doesn't work if you're pulling out a tiger named you know Smithkowski. Yeah. Or it's always a little weird. You know, these these guys who buy the Yelich jersey or the the Molitor jersey. It's like what's what's your name, guy? I mean, I, I get it. You're a fan, but. I'm not wearing some other dude's name on my back. So if you see a guy with a big red beard and he's wearing a Robin Yount jersey, it's Yount you. jersey? That's yeah. not that's, Robin. That's, I, I wish that's Ben. I love I love the powder blues, but as a fat guy, the pullovers just don't. You got to get them big. And, I resemble that remark. You yeah. know those pullovers, those those powder blues. They back then they didn't have the names on the back. That's, that's the thing. Originally now, they didn't. But now when you buy their uppercut, they got the names on the back. Well, they, they can charge you an extra fifty bucks yeah. or whatever it is. They'll put your they'll put your name on anything over mm-hmm. there at the brewer store, yeah. and then you got to wait three weeks for it. But I, I, I don't know that the '82 loss would be the the that World Series loss would be the worst loss for the Brewers. I, I just and, and certainly well, not. was that the? I mean, as as a Cardinals fan, no, though, was that the best no. win for no. for the Cardinals? No, because I I know a bunch of Cardinals fans that grew up in St. Louis or in Central Illinois, like you did, and. They still, maybe it's because I, I grew up in, in Waukesha, and they still taunt me about 1982. Well, we'll, ta- we'll taunt you about it. <laughs> we'll taunt you about it all day. Greatest Cardinal win is Game 6 uh, World Series 2011, the David Freeze game. Oh, okay. When he came up and he hit like three home runs, I yeah, think, and yeah. won the game in a walk-off. Sure. That, I'll still, I'll find that on YouTube 
and watch that highlight series because you see the Rangers, I thought, were down to one strike. I know they were down to one out. And they they pan over and they show Nolan Ryan in the stands and he's all and freeze. And just you you watch as as a fan, you've seen this before, as you just watch the hope fade out of your face. That that sort of you you see it at the end of, of NCAA tournament games where it just dawns on that girl from you know Sigma Kappa that all of a sudden, oh my God, we're losing. And I gotta ride the bus <laughs> seven hours back home from Indianapolis. Oh God, so, what am I gonna do? So ben, are the car- I, I would imagine the Cardinals are doing some ceremonies this year to celebrate the fortieth anniversary of beating the Brewers in the World Series, right? I, Hopefully it's not a game they're playing the Brewers. Hell if I know. I, oh. I do love the honesty. Yeah, I, okay. I mean, look, because I, I'm sure I'm sure we're celebrating the loss over at the Amphitheater. Well, you, they threw a ticker tape parade I for the know. loss. So I don't know if yeah, I think we're celebrating the loss. My dad was at that parade. We celebrated the 25th anniversary of it. Next door, in, in the studio next door, there is one of the greatest Brewer bobbleheads ever. It's Robin Yount on his motorcycle sure. driving well, with his well. finger up in the air. They made a bobblehead. It's in my, it's in my office. It, I, have, I, mean, I have one on my, yeah, in my office. It is, it is one of those things. I, I I do think, and, and this was as I was coming in, I was listening. And this is why I sort of barged in on your sure. show, uh, as one does, as, as 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 one does around here. I I think that the the recent success of Wisconsin and Milwaukee sports sort of erases the past loser identities. That I mean, the Packers have been great for thirty years. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the the Bucks are all of a sudden not just good; they're really good. The Brewers have made the playoffs. Trophy good. Well, I mean, it, you well, know, no more than six there's, hours. There's good, and then there's trophy yeah. good. But I mean, yeah. it's it's the sort of thing that if you would have if you would have told Brewer fans, if you would have told Bucks fans, if you would have even told Packer fans ten years ago, hey, this is what we're gonna have yeah. ten years from now. You know, Packers fans would have believed it because they were coming off a Super Bowl. There were, there was a point last year where we literally could have had. A NBA championship, a World Series championship, and an, and a Super Bowl championship, and you know it was plausible. It was plausible, it was possible, possible. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I think that you know I'm relatively new to Milwaukee, only been here four years, but as as just a general fan of sports, man, what a great time! Oh, I, I mean, imagine being a Detroit fan, right? Um, imagine imagine being a Cowboy fan, though they oh. deserve every bit that they get. Yeah, but Detroit's got Stanley Cups, and See, isn't know, this more fun World than Series talking titles? about politics? Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. easier. It's, I got I got 72 pages of show prep. I got to go print. Yeah. Well, next time well, Belling's in, I think I'm going to go barge in on his show. Well, I think he's going to accept as, that. As I told Bot when he said, would you ever want to fill in? I'm like, yeah, if you want people with pitchforks out in your driveway. They never let me on in the morning with Zabe. So oh. I, I, I come in, I talk, I talk to Billy Muscles, and I, I talk to Josh all sure. the time. But I never I never make – so I, this is this is a first for me. So I, well, I go, welcome. I'm, I'm now going to claim on my resume, fill-in host – Ninety-three point seven again. I expect my Packer credentials to come when we get the okay, when we get no. the. Uh, I'll get right on that. Right, let's, let's, let's do that. Let's do that. Benjamin Yout, thank right, you. Ben, have a good weekend. There he is uh, Benjamin Yout. He the is only the only Cardinal uh, fan I like. <laughs> the uh, news director at our sister station WISN in Milwaukee. He's filling in for Belling later on today. All right, Tim and Fredoni has been hanging on for a while. Tim, thanks for hanging on. You're on. Uh, well, I'd say the Mike Heller show, but uh, it's the Mike Heller list show today. Is, is Ben still in the studio? I got some good news for him. He just walked. Uh, I, I I let him go eat his lunch, so he just left. Uh, I, when I was coaching little league guys for Fredonia, actually Belgium, Farmington, and another town, I think Cascade, they all sold beer at little league games. No, no BS. I'm not okay. lying to you guys. Well, I know, it's like awesome. some of those, like in Central Wisconsin, like South Central Wisconsin, yeah. the home talent league, they sell beer at those games, right? It was 
it was awesome, Chuck. I mean, you go up. You, I didn't ever drink during the games, obviously, but right after the game, both go up there and sit down, lawn chair, watch the next game, and drink some beer. Oh for, yeah, what are they, a buck and a half or two bucks, whatever it was. We have a bucket right. of beer, chase some women, and all good. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So hey, those hometown leagues are about. Kathy actually lost his wallet running on the field after Game Five against California. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> Let's just tell you that story. Lost his wallet. Yep. You know what though? If you if, if you lose something in that in that melee after Game Five. After the win against the Angels, it's worth it. Yeah, it's worth it. Yeah, it's worth it. That is a donation to the. That is a donation to the sports gods, of which do exist. Yeah. Hey, I was telling uh, Doug off the air, Chuck. The, I, you know, it wasn't actually the worst loss, but one of the painful losses was when uh, Big Dog missed that turnaround ten footer against Philadelphia in Game Seven when David Stern cheated. When he cheated and suspended Scott Williams, remember that? Game, and, uh, I hate to correct you, know, you but was, game five, they, they that was game five. They lost game seven. They got blown out. Remember that because Scott Williams. Oh play? yeah, game five. That's yeah. right. Okay, but, but, but that was a painful loss. Yeah. He never misses that. You yeah. know, he never misses that shot. And that's when uh, when Stern cheated and suspended Scott Williams for whatever that flagrant foul or whatever that it was. was a, I asked Scott Williams about that years later, and he said, "Yeah, it was a forearm shiver. It wasn't that bad." You know, I, I think it was, it, was just, it was a little love tap. When you talk about toughest sports in our state I think yeah. a string of all those Bucks losses in game sixes and sevens of the Philadelphia and Boston you just bunch all those back in there and there was one on Easter Sunday in 1981 when they lost to Philly in game seven and uh, you know I think the Bucks would have won the championship last year I'm sure Marcus Johnson they lost 99-98 they got screwed on a couple of calls but uh, yeah. you know they lost 99-98 in game seven at Philly Philly had Bobby Jones, Caldwell Jones, all oh, Doc Jones, Irving, Malone, Monique, yeah. Andrew Tony. There were some good teams. Yeah, uh, although Philly that team as the head coach, that team had uh, Daryl Dawkins, the late Daryl Dawkins. They didn't have Moses quite yet. He was still oh, in okay. Houston. Yeah, they. In fact, gotcha. I think that Philly team played Houston in the finals. But yeah, guys, it is nice, nice to hear the band back together again. If you know what I mean, you guys are great. So we'll talk to you soon. Thank have you. a good weekend, guys. Thanks, Thank Tim. Band back. What's he talking about, Chuck? The who? <laughs> the band? Yeah, it's nice to get the band back together. Well, you know, we, we, we were part of a band one time. Yeah. Back in the day. Back in the day. Back in the day. Back in the day. And on who a, knows? In the future, band. you never know. It was another band. It was a different band. It was the AM band. Yeah. Now we're on the FM band. <laughs> At least in a while. Hey, I, 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 like I told you back then, Russ, I said, you never know what we're going to be working together someday. And Count on it. Yeah. Count on it. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's see. I've worked with Armin in a couple of places. He, he And the thing I love about Armin is he's not shy on the talking text line. Uh, Armin writes in, um, once brothers is the best 30 for 30. Who? Ben was talking about the 30 for 30s. Oh yeah. Yeah. So once, what is once brothers about? I don't know. Armin, I don't know what that one's about. I'm, I love the 30 for 30s though. Yeah, I do too. I just don't know what that one's about. Yeah. Well, let us know. He's good like that. Um, and Armin writes, they were actually down to their last strike. Neftali Feliz was a strike away back in the day. Texas. Yes. Talk of Texas, St. Louis. Okay. 2011. Now, how painful was that losing game six against St. Louis in 2011? I thought the Brewers. It was painful, but it was. I mean, it, it. I mean, that was when I think of the the second worst. Well, the second worst loss was 2018 because they were only a game away, and that was Game Seven against the Dodgers, and they had a lead. Game six, it just in 2011, it kind of felt like they ran out of gas. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like that in 20. 18. And I was at both games. Um, in 2011, it just kind of felt like it was starting to peter out. And the Cardinals, 
they forgot how to lose baseball games starting on September 1st. If you go back and you know look at baseball reference, they were some they were, I think they were double digits out. And they they were a wild card team. The Brewers still won the division in 2011, mm-hmm. but the Cardinals just went on this incredible run. And that's why we say just get hot at the right time. It goes back to like 2010 with the Packers. They barely got into the playoffs. They were 10 and six. They had to win at one point. They were eight and six. They had to win their last two games just to get into the playoffs. They still won a tiebreaker over I think Tampa Bay that year, and they had to go on the road. But they got hot at the right time. That was the Cardinals in 2011. Well, in a nutshell, here's the funny thing about 2011. Um, it was toward the end of August. And who was the kid that we worked with? He worked down in St. Louis. He was doing St. Louis Cardinal post game. He worked with you in Houston. Let's see. He worked with us at the old station. Who, Racker? No, 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 no. Uh, I can't remember his name, but he worked at Sporting News, I thought, with you. I, anyway, he was doing the post game show in St. Louis. He was doing the post game show in St. Louis. Okay. He was doing this. He was the guy who was who, always worried about, No, he's, he was the guy who was always worried about getting fired. Oh, which? Oh. Cliff? Yeah, Saunders. Cliff Saunders. Oh. Okay, Cliff Saunders. <laughs> I couldn't remember. Like, he was always worried about getting fired. He you was. Cliff? Well, hey, if I said that counts, right? Been, by the way, Cliff's been with iHeart uh, Houston for over 10 years now. Okay, but I mean, he was always like worried, worried about getting fired at the previous station we were at. Wasn't Welcome he? to radio. I know, but I'm just telling you, he was always paranoid about it. Um, and he did. Yeah, what you fear, you attract. Cliff's been in every market. Let's see, Cliffy's been in, like, see, New York. He's been in Chicago. I work with him in sport. I work with Cliff in three different states. Oh, Cliff is very good. Okay, that's great. I love Cliff. But Cliff was doing the post. I was, you know, because I, I always like to listen to other stations and all that around the country. So I was listening to the St. Louis post game show at the end of August. Okay. And Cliff was on the show saying, "We got to trade. You know, this is over. We got to start trading because September first trading deadline." We got to start sending these players out and get rid of them because we're not coming back in this. I think they're like ten and a half out too, and <laughs> the next day they started winning and then they won and won and won and won. But he was on at the end of August, wanting to trade everybody, and I didn't blame him because he thought the Cardinals had no shot. How about that? And then they rallied. And That's what the Cardinals do. That's why you can never card. never count out the Cardinals. You know that eighty-two World Series. You mentioned that that was the toughest loss for you. You remember the Brewers won Game One, ten to nothing. I do. I remember that. I watched that game. Mahler it was, was five it was, for five. It was the night of parent-teacher conferences at Lowell Elementary School in Waukesha. Okay. And they had, I don't know why, mom and dad. Maybe it was an open house because they usually didn't go to parent-teacher conferences. But there was something at night that night at Lowell Elementary School at Waukesha, and they rolled out the TVs, and that's where I watched that game. All right. That's what I remember. Yeah, I remember just... I also remember them getting their asses handed to them in Game 6. Well, there was a rain delay in Game 6. Yeah. And that game like ended like about midnight. Mm-hmm. But they were... And the Brewers were up going into that three games to two. Yes, and then they lost both games, and that was that. Yep. And here we are, still talking about it. 414, <laughs> Cliff can't ride a bike. Thank you. But see, we do have people that still listen. Cliff couldn't ride a bike? Back? No, that was, a, that was the big thing back in the day. I remember that. Okay. You should see Cliff now. Cliff is yoked now. Yeah, he's lost weight. He's lost weight. It's Don't all muscle now. Don't tell please. Well, I'm just I'm going to send him the segment, of course. <laughs> it's all in the it's all in the iHeart system now. Yeah. That, that's like I'm, I'm running on like a two hour sleep. <laughs> Cliff can't ride a bike. Yeah. See, people still listen. <laughs> all right, uh, Mark Carmen. Somebody else I work with in Houston, by the way. Uh, he's going to join us coming up next. He now covers the Chicago Bulls. I saw him in Game One and Two. Uh, he was uh, covering the. Uh, Chicago Bulls for WGN Radio and for Fansight. We'll catch up with Mark and get his thoughts on what the Bucks face tonight when we come back. Mike Heller is off today. I'm Doug Russell. Cliff, uh, 
Andrew Culkins. Now I'm doing it. You almost it. called me Sanders. Oh, he's Chuck. God <laughs> oh, dang it. We'll be back. What the hell's wrong with me? I think we're both tired today. If you haven't surmised by yet, by now, Mike Keller's off today. So it's Doug. Well, I'm here most days. Chuck Freeman. He's not here most days because he's usually... Are you usually sleeping at this point of the day because you do morning drive? No, no. Uh, you know, I do the morning sports over on um, 1310 WIBA Madison. I'll take a little midday nap and then uh, up usually here. Um, the nap is a beautiful thing. It is. You know all too well because you've done the early mornings before. So oh, yeah. Getting an afternoon nap is good, but... Yeah, I'm usually I'm up right now, ready to go. Maybe get a little workout in, see what we're going to have for dinner. You know, good old Freem's going to prepare dinner. You know, unless Shannon's got to cook the better for on many levels. <laughs> Enjoy the couch tonight. Mark Carmen <laughs> covers the Chicago Bulls for WGN Radio and for Fansided in Chicago. He covered the Bulls uh, in games one and two at Pfizer. For my surmise, he will be at the United Center tonight. And he joins us here on uh, the Mike Heller Show without Mike Heller. Carm, appreciate the time. How are you doing tonight? Hey, Carms. Gentlemen, good to be with you. Stunned that we're talking about a series that's tied up one apiece, but here we are. Let's yeah. go bold. I saw you, I saw you before game one, and uh, you you used the uh, the terminology uh, gentleman sweep, which always uh, makes me smile a little bit. I don't know, if, you know, if the Bucks real rip off three straight wins. I, I'm not predicting that by any means, but if they do, I don't know that I can consider this a gentleman's sweep because the Bucks haven't played very well. And the team that you cover, the Chicago Bulls, they've been taking it to the defending NBA champs. How much of a target have the Bulls put specifically on the Bucks in this series? That's an interesting way of looking at it, Doug, because I don't think they necessarily were targeting the Bucks, more so targeting that we can beat a good basketball team, because they didn't really do that at all the entire regular season. I mean, they beat the Celtics early, early, way back when. Uh, but, you know, and they haven't beat, they didn't beat Milwaukee, and they hadn't beat it Giannis uh, when he's been on the court his entire career uh, with the Bucks. They were 0 14 uh, until uh, winning whatever the other night was. So, uh, this is a team that was trying to prove something that, that, that actually when they were going well and were the one seed in the Eastern Conference for a bit, that they were more that team. Uh, than the team that finished up the regular season and limped into the playoffs as a sixth seed. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the season, the regular season, the God, the Bulls looked terrible. They did. And in the postseason, the different, you know, stars rise up like the Rosen did the other night. And, uh, you know, it's a new game. So you just throw it. Whatever happened in the regular season, I just throw that out because, you know, you know, now it's uh, separating the men from the boys. And I'll tell you, that the way DeRozan was hitting shots from all over the land uh, was incredible the other night. But has that victory... Uh, the Bulls coming in here just kind of, you know, got people talking about the Bulls suddenly for the last couple of days? Yeah, I mean, just to your point, like, DeMar, I did not know that DeMar DeRozan was this good of a basketball player, and I consider myself a savant, not, well, savant's a little bit tall, but I, I paid close attention to the NBA. So th- th- this performance uh, by, by DeMar all season long, and an MVP candidate, has been just incredible. Um and, and maybe the best basketball he's ever played in his career. And the Bulls have set him up for success. I mean, they knew him, uh, 
you know, Mark Eversley, who's uh, the Bulls' assistant GM, or uh, under Arturis Karnishevis. I mean, he's been tight with DeMar forever. So I think they just this is how this guy, we can set him up to be the player that he really uh, is fully capable of being in the right situation, and they've done all that. Now, uh, look, getting a win in game two and seeing the videos that Bulls PR is putting out on the Bulls TikTok of Alex Caruso saying things like, you know, hey, uh, they have the edge now because they, you know, because we're supposed to relax after winning game two and Billy Donovan's talking about we need three more. I mean, this is not a, this is a team that's actually thinking about winning the series, which would be normal as a professional athlete, but it, it was just, for, for me, it was kind of stunning. Like, like I would think they would have been celebrating and like relaxing and like, all oh, right, way to go, guys. But but they're they're talking about winning the series, so I was kind of impressed by that. How much of a revelation, as long as we're talking about Alex Caruso, has he been since coming over from the Lakers? He does things that don't necessarily show up in the box score, but hell, oh, dang it, he's a tough player defensively. Doug, I think he's changed the whole team. He, he has been. I mean, DeRozan's like the quote unquote MVP candidate, but to me, Caruso. He ties them all together. He, he, I can't say he's their MVP because that's ridiculous, but he certainly is the MVP on the defensive end of the court. And that toughness that he brings along with knowing how to play, of course, he's the only guy on the team that actually won a championship. Granted, did that because he played with LeBron James and the Lakers. But he was the, – the Lakers underappreciated him. I think that's absolutely clear. Uh, you know, if they could have him and not have Westbrook on that team, they'd go back and redo that one all day long. He has, he has changed. Uh, he just brought a winning attitude and a, and a knowing how to win and what it takes thing that the Bulls just have not had for a long, long time. You know, Vucevic, um, when he played with Orlando, I just thought that guy, you know, he's been spectacular the other night, too. That's the guy that scares me. I mean, DeRozan is MVP candidate, but Vucevic, uh, that's a guy who, you know, he gets on a roll. Oh, boy. You know, that's why I'm, I'm wondering. I, I, I could not figure out why the Bulls are struggling so much at the end of the season uh, this year because they got they got some talent on that team. Yeah, Chuck, I mean, the Vooch thing, he, the problem is he scares Bulls fans, too, because he, you're, you're watching, you're seeing exactly what could be with him. Like, he's getting a ton of open shots, and mm-hmm. sometimes he looks phenomenal, like his up-and-under move on Giannis and the sweet layup, and he's, you know, he's adept with both hands, will finish with the left, finish with the right, can shoot it, can – you know, back you down, can do all these things, and yet he has so many opportunities that are just wide-open shots, and he, he, he's not shooting a very high percentage, certainly not from three. So, But if he actually clicked in one game and there was the quote-unquote Vooch game in this series, well, you know, then, then you need, I don't know, another 40-point game from DeMar, uh, and then – some random uh, other way, that, and the, now you, you're sort of painting a pathway to the Bulls actually, you know, at least pushing the series to six and seven games. Mark Carmen from WGN Radio in Chicago also uh, writes and does multimedia for Fansided as well, uh, joining us here on the Mike Heller Show without Mike Heller. Uh, first half of the season, the Bulls were among the best teams in the East. They they were the number one seed for a while. They flirted between Chicago and Miami for that number one spot before they faded down the stretch. Who who are the real Chicago Bulls? Was that smoke and mirrors? Did they just have a favorable schedule at that point of the season? Or are they, in the years to come, in your opinion, going to be a legitimate contender for that upper echelon of the East? So it's, it's a million-dollar question, right? And, and Doug, 
to your point, they did have an easier schedule early in the year, and you looked at what was coming out after the All-Star break, like, this is going to get a lot tougher, and the losses are going to be uh, coming in here. And they did, but it wasn't the level, you know, that no one expected the fall-off that actually came. But they were hurt. Uh, Lonzo Ball has been a huge, uh, huge injury to the Bulls, and I, he was expected to come back uh, after the knee surgery, but he never made it back. And it was him and Caruso anchoring the defense on the perimeter, and so you lost a, a very key component. Uh, and the other thing is that Zach Levine's battling a knee issue that uh, I think is worsened throughout the season. He's going to need some level of cleanup uh, after the year's out. It's not anything major, but he's he's battling through it. So what are they with Ball and Levine fully healthy? Uh, I don't know. It, you know, it's the first year that they're all playing together, but you're seeing signs that they're a team that, that can absolutely compete at the top of the conference. Uh, to me, like rewinding back to what Chuck was just asked about, Vooch is the whole key here. Can he get? Can he be that third wheel? Like if you have Demar and you've got Levine, like who's the sort of uh, I don't know Draymond Green type of piece, if you will. And if Vooch is great, then they're there. And if he's not, then they're lacking. And the other thing is Vooch has got one year left on his deal after this year. So you know who replaces him? And they've got huge relationships uh, back in Denver. So is Jokic coming to the Bulls in a year? How would they do that? I don't know. If that happens, well, then, okay, now the Bulls are a championship contender. You know, the Bulls, uh, I, I think if they win tonight, oh, my God, uh, as a Bucks fan, <laughs> I'm, you know, I am definitely afraid of losing. This thing might end early. Um, but I, I think the win. I honestly think the winner of tonight's game is going to go on and win the series, Carm. Wow. I know. Wow. I, I can't get there, um, even if the Bulls win tonight. I, I had – you know, I you know people asking you know can the Bulls do the Bulls have a shot? I'm like zero point zero. Well, I, that's what you I'm said the other there. night when I saw you. Even with Middleton, oh, you saw that before. You said that so, before game so, one. Yeah, zero point zero is what I thought, and 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 uh, you know four and or five uh, was what I you know and and part of me would have said three, like they're just going to not show up on the Sunday game. But okay, I was wrong. I got it, and now Middleton's uh, out. So. I mean, my 0.0 is probably up to, like, 8.2. Really? You know? that, even uh, Middleton, I mean, Middleton's huge. I know. I know. But you, you you still have the best player on the court, and it's and as great as DeMar is, it's not close. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the Bull, you know, look, I mean, Giannis t- steps one way, Vooch is halfway across the arena and dunking the basketball. I, I still think the Bucks are the better team here. I mean, so, uh, but... Listen, if 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 they win tonight, I'll 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 have it up to I don't know twenty eight point two something like that. <laughs> well, so, you know, I, I'll be I I've, I've been wrong before on these things, but I I always tend to side with who's the best player in the series. Oh, uh, then then that's who I generally like in the series. But I've you know I felt that way about you know LeBron and Kobe in the past, and they've How lost pit? many times. So so there's that. How pissed off are Bulls fans still about Grayson Allen about the whole Alex Caruso thing? Forever, forever going to be angry about it, Doug. Can't stand him. What, like, I literally was just coming out of a lunch, and the conversation turned to him. was like, I wouldn't even want that guy on my team. I wouldn't even, I, I'd hate him if he wasn't for him. Like, yeah, <laughs> like, I, you know what? The, <laughs> people in Wisconsin still said that about the 2015 uh, NCAA championship game where Grayson Allen went all Grayson Allen on the Badgers. But, you know, if he, if he helps you win a trophy, now he's wearing your laundry. 
Yeah, I, I would take Grayson Allen on my basketball team all day, <laughs> for the record. I, yeah. And I, I hate – the thing that I hated most about the play with Caruso is that he, he didn't walk over him to help him up, and then he went over to the Bucks bench, and he's got that stupid smile on his face, the Grayson <laughs> Allen smile, and, every, and you know everyone's kind of like dapping the guy. I'm like, where, where's the integrity in Milwaukee? Sound like that's not how we play, but that's not what went on, so all of it bothered me, but again – uh, you know, a little old school basketball. You win with those type of players. I still you can win with one of those guys. If you had a whole team full of those guys, I, I mean, that's what I say about Brad Davison in, in at Wisconsin for the last seventeen seasons. It seems, but you can win with one of those guys, and to have one of those red asses on your team, I'm cool with that. You can't win with five of them, though. Sure, sure. You, you're absolutely. You need the upper end talent. You can have your Alex Caruso's, but you. <laughs> you need a LeBron or you need a DeMar plus to to make them really shine. But you also there's a spot for that dude on your team. You you somebody who understands that role has huge value. Yeah, I'll tell you what, Bobby Portis I think is going to have the he's oh. going to have a big game tonight. Bobby Portis is going to have steam coming out of his ears from what happened the other night. And plus I think he's still got a little something for the Bulls from past from past. Um, what do you mean? Bobby Portis? Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, so I think... I think Bobby, Speaking of red asses sometimes. Yeah. Well, you know, Portis is, um, you know, you like you love a guy like that on your team. And I think Bobby I, is my pick to click tonight. I love Bobby. And honestly, like, walking through uh, Fiserv, am I saying it correctly? I think I am. Yeah, you got it. Um, okay. So walking through and just, like, seeing Portis staring at my Bulls fan self uh, amongst my professionalism over here. I'm like, it's like, eh, that just, you know, that, that kind of hurts. I, why they didn't, uh, like, I mean, the Bulls, that, you know, you rewind back. You had Jimmy Butler that somehow that, that wasn't good enough for you. And, and it, to me it was obvious that Bobby Portis is a good basketball player, man. He's got a great attitude. He's going to continue to get better. I, I would I would assign Bobby, but uh, and Bobby will never have to buy dinner in Milwaukee <laughs> ever for the rest of his life. No, but you win with the guys. He's yeah. like the mayor here, yeah. practically. Yeah. No offense, Mayor Johnson. Yeah, I mean, what's not to love? He's, you know, he he, he brings the nasty. He brings the when I when I say he's a bit of a red ass, it just it just means that you you're bringing a bit of the nasty, and that's what that's what championship team that's what they need. That's what championship yeah. teams need. Well, I mean, he makes coffee nervous. That's how that's how tough he is. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's you know, um, you know they they always say George Carl used to say this. It's not a series until you win on somebody else's home court, and that's what's happened in this series. Yeah. That's what happened. In, that's what's happened in a few playoff series to make things interesting. But let's face it: if the Bulls didn't win the other night, oh, I mean, we'd be like, yeah, you know, Carm would be at zero percent and thinking his team's going to win. I'd be at zero. Russ, you'd be at zero. You know, we'd be just kind of yeah, half 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 ass watching this game tonight. The Bulls made it interesting. They Mark. did. Well, and Middleton getting hurt too, that made things even mm-hmm. worse. Yeah. So, I, I mean, the the Bucks aren't the '90s Bulls. I, I get it. You know, we've got one championship, not six. But the Bulls used to lose. That, that Bulls team would lose game twos all the time, and I'd be like, whatever. Uh, you know, go, that's great, Portland. You got no chance. Twenty three is coming. Like, come on. Uh, you're not quite there yet, but like whatever. Championship teams, you lose a game too, you relax a little bit, and then you put it on them. But the Middleton thing makes it a lot more interesting. Yeah, without a doubt. Mark Harmon from WGN Radio in Chicago. Also, you can catch him on Fan Sided as well. I'd say enjoy the game. Enjoy it a little bit. Don't enjoy it too much tonight, Mark, but appreciate the time and the insights. Thanks, Carm. Yeah, appreciate it, guys. Doug, we'll miss you down here. Hopefully, I'll see you Wednesday night back up there. All right, look forward to it.
There he goes, Mark Carmen. One of the good guys. Yeah, one of the is. good guys. He does a good job, too, in, in all the different platforms he works for there. Uh, Russ, I, I uh, this game tonight, um, you know, they're going to have to have someone hit some threes tonight. Well, without and a doubt. And the kid from Duke is going to have to be rifling in a few, I think. Well, tonight. you know what? The kid from Duke, he's going to get booed mercilessly tonight, Good. and that just feeds him. No, it's like Davison was the same way. Absolutely. Wisconsin, you know? Absolutely. Got to love it. One more segment to go. He's Chuck Freeman. I'm Doug Russell. We're in for Mike Heller on the game. Stay with us. The thing that I like about Frames is that he doesn't take out the cell phone and wave it. He's old school. He's got the actual lighter going right now in the studio. I know it's an audio medium, so you can't see it, but it's it's touching. I don't smoke, but I got the lighter. Well, you have to if you're going to an REO concert. Absolutely. Which is what day, Memorial Day weekend, you said? Uh, Labor Day weekend. Labor Day weekend, Duluth, I'm sorry. But it's, they're also coming to Milwaukee as part of uh, the Loverboy Sticks REO. Oh, that is Chuck's wheelhouse. You got it. It's going to be at the... Uh, the amphitheater here in, in Milwaukee, and of course at the in Duluth, at the, the Amsoul. So, how far is it from Milwaukee to Duluth? How long is that drive? Six and a half hours. Okay, so that's a poke. It's a good poke, but I you know, stop you, off in Eau Claire. See, you get to see our entire beautiful state that we broadcast across. It is uh, the uh, you know it the is. Badger State, America's Dairyland, whichever it, you prefer. You know what I really like doing is driving through Wisconsin on a Friday night because you go through all these cities. And you listen to you now. I'm doing football Friday night, so I'm not leaving until Saturday morning on that. But if you drive through on a Friday night, you go through all these small town cities. They hear all high, great high school football on all those towns. See the, the backbone can, of our state. Oh, without a doubt, and you can see all the stadium lights. Yes, you know, literally Friday night lights, mm-hmm. which is even from our studios right here in um, in Greenfield. You can look out and see New Berlin Eisenhower. You can hear. The uh, from my house, you can hear Waukesha North on a Friday night. You can hear yeah. the you know the Isn't PA cool? announcer. Oh, I love it! I love it. Isn't that cool. Yeah, three. Smith three yard carry, second and seven. Yeah, or in the North Stars case, <laughs> Waukesha North sacked again. Well, you know they've had they've, they've, better it's than been, they were when you were in high school. It's you guys were you, we you, were okay. You we weren't that good. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Now now we get to lose to West. Yeah. West yeah, didn't West, exist back then. West has beaten both of them. Yes. Yeah. So that, that's just how it goes sometimes. Can't all, can't all be Arrowhead. Can't all be uh, Kimberly. Mosquito. Yeah. Mosquito. Yeah. That's another big program. So a little fish fry out for uh, your boy Freems tonight. Can I okay. make a little, you know, make a little, maybe I'll make a little dive bar tour tonight and close a few bars in uh, Washington County. We're going to this Fox and Hounds tonight. Have a little fish fry with the family and all that. What, uh, what do you got going on? Uh, tonight, it's a quiet night tonight. Tomorrow, because Hunter's, he just started, and he's already taking a vacation. I'm not sure what that's all about. Okay. Uh, so I've got to work for him tomorrow morning. Actually, I've got to work for him the next three hours, as well as I can, tomorrow morning. I hear the venom in your voice, because you oh, took those vacation days, the newbie. <laughs> and Russ, you got to pick up the slack. It's okay. That's what we do around here. Yeah. As I say, you do one thing at iHeartRadio, yeah. you do a million things at iHeartRadio. Yeah. This is the second of three shows that I'm shepherding today. So, hey, as somebody once said on this radio station, you know, you could have put money in my pocket. <laughs> it is what it is. It's, and they it, put money in your pocket. It is what it is. They put money in the pocket. Yep. And uh, that's that's what yeah, we do. And, absolutely. And, and radio others, will t- others will pick up my slack as time goes on. Uh, unnamed in the 414, we were talking about the most painful losses of all time. And uh, these are all Packers losses. In order of 
uh, painful losses for me. Number one, the 2007 NFC Championship. Interesting. You guaranteed. I did. That was the last. That was 2007. It was also the last time I ever did that. Too. Yeah, it was really cold out. Wow. Uh, number two, the 2020 NFC Championship. That was a bad one too against Tampa Bay. Against Tampa, yeah. Because that was a winnable game. Yeah. But, you know, that one is always going to get lost in the shuffle because fans weren't involved. And I'm not counting that. It's like the Lakers. Oh, they... I count that one. No, I don't. When, it's, when a Super Bowl is involved and going to a Super Bowl yeah. is involved. You know, I, 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 I'm i kind of wiping out 2020. Like the Lakers winning the title and the bubble down there and the Bucks losing to Miami. Still got a trophy. Wiping it all out, Russ. Still got a trophy. I know. Uh, and then the 2014 NFC Championship. I also wrote after the 2020 loss, I didn't watch or start listening to anything sports related until the Bucks playoff run started. It, what year was that? It was 2020. 2020. Okay. It was a weird. Listen, I'll give it to you. It was a weird year. It's like when the Brewers lost to the Dodgers in the postseason that year, Russ. I was like, eh, played a 60 game schedule. Let's tee it up next year. Yeah, and then, then most more than half of the teams got to the playoffs. You know that year that was a you know what's a tough loss for me, Russ, is uh, them losing the wild card game in Washington in 2019. Okay, because they played so good in September, remember, and they blew that lead in the bottom of the eighth inning. I was I've told this story before, so forgive me if you've heard it before, but I didn't see the end of that game because there was a tornado warning, so we had to go down to the basement, turn off all the televisions, and go downstairs, and I watched it. Only on okay. Twitter, watching people's tweets. And I'm like, I, I don't need to ever watch the Trent Grisham error uh, in Washington. I don't ever need to see it. That's right, because... And I was because I was in the basement. Because there was a tornado was a, in our backyard. Shannon was at a bar with her family watching the Eliotas, and the, it went dark in there, too. So I had to text her what happened. What do you mean they blew the yeah, lead? Yeah, it was, it was bad. Frames, it was fun. Let's do this again. Russ, absolutely. Thank you. All right, Mike Heller's back on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody.